I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Welcome to episode 12 of Gravity Lab Radio. We got Judson Buchanan. We ran a little uh, technical difficulty to start off with tonight. Uh, I had a little problem with the recording computer. So if you're listening to this in the podcast format, you're going to miss about the first 10 minutes. Uh, Not much to miss, you know, always a little bit of a start introducing everybody, getting some things figured out. But uh, yeah, here it is. Episode 12, Justin Buchanan moved over to to wanting to do is more of like the free fly and uh, stuff like that. And uh, he's definitely not into doing stuff like that. He doesn't do a whole lot of sport jumping. Um, so, yeah, that that whole view, like you said, from when you when you start off to once you get into it and realize, you know, not everybody is what you think they are as soon as you meet them. So how, how many jumps did you have when you became aware that free flying was a thing? Uh, very few. Um, and the reason being was because our drop zone is... Uh, the owner is all into that. Um, and I think that's the thing with a smaller drop zone is maybe you get to a bigger one and you realize, you know, that there's a bunch of people doing a bunch of different things. Um, and there are people doing all sorts of different flying at our drop zone. You could come out there and fly on your belly if you'd like. You know, you can wingsuit. You can free fly. Um, but it is a predominantly kind of, you know, once you get out of that, you have a bunch of people wanting to, hey, you know, Let's sit fly and stuff like that, and it's the it's the appealing thing, um, and I feel like that is like a lot of people nowadays. Um, it's really appealing to them. So that's kind of why I asked the question. Is I feel like I was certainly guilty of this when I started skydiving. I started trying to learn free flying like, way too soon, way way early, like before I had any real belly skills, before I had any skydiving fundamentals at all, because I just misunderstood what skydiving was. I thought it was just about like jumping out of a plane and doing <laughs> flips and being gnarly, being crazy. You know, I just thought that's what it was because I didn't have anyone telling me, you know, no one. Uh, the drop zone that I came from wasn't the smallest drop zone. You know, it's a caravan drop zone, but there still wasn't really anyone free flying at the time to be like, hey, the thing you're doing is not the thing to be doing right now. So did you have anyone who uh, coached you in free flying or told you kind of kind of guided your progression at all? Um, I mean, there was just guys around, like, uh, they'll take you under their wing. And that's the really cool thing about our drop zone is it's a very inclusive, like, nobody's snobby. Nobody's going to be like, we're doing these jumps. The most experienced guys will do jumps with the most inexperienced guys. And I think that's really cool, that kind of family atmosphere that you get at a smaller drop zone. Um, if you come somewhere out here, you know, like you guys said, you cannot even know someone exists for a few weeks yeah. Um, that works with you. You're, you know, you're, uh, so that's, that's the difference. As soon as people start off, um, you know, Hey, you're trying to learn how to sit fly. Well, let me go do that with you. And those people might not even realize that this dude has a few thousand jumps. Um, so that's, yeah, I got that. It was kind of like, Hey, let's go. And then you realize, um, that everybody wants you to get better. Hey DJ, you fixed our, uh, audio problem. Thank you. Yeah, man, uh, just a future reference. So if you look there, there's a line that says USB towards the top. 
Oh. Next to that, I'll show it to you later on. Okay, you just deal. have to reselect things. People listen to this as the podcast format. Um, I'll explain this and I'll and I'll put an intro into it. I'll I'll redo the leader and everything. Uh, we just had a little bit of technical difficulty, so the first ten minutes of this, uh, you didn't miss much. It was everybody getting comfortable. I can actually see just in this little interaction, you started mellowing out. You started like, okay. So everybody, when they first start sitting here, I don't know if you guys saw it. He looked a little bit more nervous. And there it is. That's the smile that I called inspiring. That's the, the glow, man. You have such a look to your face. And I was the same way. You know, it's funny because, Nick, you ask about free flying, and everybody in the room was going, that was me, that was me. Yeah. I'm not proud of this fact. I had 14 jumps when I started free flying. Because that's what we could do in 1997, man. I mean, we jumped off of, you know, big dinosaurs, and, you know, we had caterpillars making you know, silk parachutes for, for us. Um, so you got into skydiving, you, you got into free flying, and oh my God, um, since we kind of have a little bit of a transition here, I want to just look at this man. We've had a lot of support for our people on the show, but my God, dude, the support from you, Kyle R., hey, I know that guy, giving you a fist bump. Wanda Buchanan, love you, Judd, uh, Grandma and Grandpa, and uh, Butch, love you. Um, check you out. I want to be as cool as you when I grow up. Tina Roger Del Sasser. <laughs> uh, Peggy Milner Buchanan, that's my baby. I'm guessing that's your mama. Have yeah. fun and be hey, safe. Mama. Um, Justin Francois, I hope I'm saying that right, got a bunch of high fives. My amazing grandson, Louis, uh, Lois Cole Milner. Uh, Kyle R., the owner's into a lot of things, talking about when we were in free flying. Tony shreds the free fly. I'm guessing Tony's one of the owners? That's great. Cool, man. Um, SPC, rep dude, it goes on, man. Um, you SPC people, dude, I've never been there. I got to come visit because I'm watching all of this community here on this. And I mean, I, I love what you guys have. So what's it like? Y you've been to a, ho I call it a homegrown drop zone where you're at. Yeah, and then absolutely. I love Spaceland. This might be a little bit negative connotation for some people, but straight up, it's a corporate style vibe. And there's good things that come with it, man. We have a massive number of loads. 60 loads on a weekend's not unheard of. We have all sorts of things accessible to us. You know, we, we do 20, 25 canopy courses a year just in Houston. So we have everything accessible. It's nice. What's it like going from homegrown to this feel? Uh, it's absolutely uh, mind-blowing at first because my whole vision of the sport has been that homegrown feel. Uh -huh. And then you have somebody tell you that, hey, there's somewhere out in Texas that does 200 tandems on a, in one day. And you can't comprehend that. <laughs> Mark, shut your phone off. So, yeah, Mark, when you turn your phone on, you got to turn the volume down. Yeah, come and on. And you guys dude. don't have no, to whisper that. that much. We won't pick you up if you talk a little bit louder. You, I mean, we, we won't hear you, but if you talk mm. a little bit louder, we won't pick you up. You're good. The guy's in the background a little bit nervous about being seen or heard. So in the next camera cut, Nick will just put a camera on him. There's, and a, really, yeah, there's him. a really quick way to fix that. Yeah, that thing flips around right away. So you come to this new place. All of a sudden, you see a place that can do 200. Yeah, uh, and it's just crazy. Like you said, all the courses you do, there's a ground school every weekend. You have you know 40 tandems on uh you know tandem rigs on the rack it's just kind of looking around with your mouth wide open like in awe that this exists and it operates uh, i think you said every day but christmas is that correct yeah spaceland's open every day but christmas which um it's it's disney world man we're in a giant effing playground and anytime you want to skydive if the weather's good you can skydive and if the weather's bad and you're dumb enough to skydive we'll probably let you <laughs> within reason obviously <clears throat> um so you work in Manifest, right? 
Yeah, that's correct. I saw you today behind the desk in Spaceland checking out Manifest. Were you just there hanging out, or did you actually check out the scene and the vibe? I was asking a lot of questions, uh, you know, just curious from doing it where I do it at that smaller scale to how they do it here. Um, so all the all the people behind that desk were super inviting. You know, I didn't know how it would be saying, hey, you know, I know you guys just met me, but how, how about I come back there and ask yeah. you a bunch of questions? And they were very cool about it and i was uh you know impressed with the way that they were like here let me yeah. show you this on the computer let me show you that and even though it was a bigger corporate situation it, it still felt really inclusive like come on we want you to know what's going on here you do what we do but just at a different um different scale yeah and it was very interesting to <clears throat> see that all expanded in the way that it was it's, it's definitely grown, and, and I and I don't want you to feel too special about the way they invited you back there. And I say that as a compliment to our girls, because I think we all know the word manifest bitch. The girl yeah. behind the manifest counter is straight up a B sometimes. Depends on the DZ you go to, right? I'm yeah. looking at him, right? You're looking at it. He's got the hair for it. And, dude, I love and your hair. Because look I, at this. Yeah, you had to fit in somehow. Uh, if you're going to start <laughs> cussing people out for being slow, um, you got to try to blend in. Um, but, yeah, no, I've definitely heard that term and never saw a guy working in Manifest um, before I got hurt. Um, yeah. But that's just what I wanted to do. Uh, I packed parachutes before I got hurt. And I was like, one, I'm a broke college student, and two, yeah. I like to jump way too much uh, <laughs> to not. So I just found work wherever I could, and Tony and Jen were nice or just cool enough to say, hey, you know, we got something for you, and we made it happen, and now uh, now I'm a manifest bitch. <laughs> it's uh, You know, I give our girls in Spaceland a lot of props because they left the bitch out of that word. I mean, you know, it's there's some of the coolest, nicest, friendliest chicks. Uh, You met Tanya today. Um, One of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And the rest of those girls go hand in hand with that. So uh, I've known a few dudes who work in Manifest and it is I put the man in Manifest. Just, uh, yeah, I was going to say that, but I didn't know how corny it was. Oh, bring it, dude. Oh, you missed you it, man. all the time. You beat I, you to your own line. That's I'm a yeah. 43-year-old bald dude, dude. DJ, come on, man. You got to leave some stuff for me to say. Dude, bring the cheese. I'm, I'm good with that, man. I don't I'm, have any more punchlines. We, we got this dude over here, Aaron. I'm sure we got some punchlines. So <laughs> even Hank threw out putting the man in manifest, and he is the cheesiest guy I know. So, <laughs> so you start skydiving. You start free flying. You start having a good time. So you and I talked about this. There's two reasons I want you here. Actually, there's three reasons. Reason number one, I didn't know yet. You're just a cool dude, and hanging out with you has been fun. We talked a bit today. We talked a bit out at dinner, and I avoided asking you too many questions while I was talking with Mark and Aaron over here because I wanted to save some juice for here. But, man, I've enjoyed hanging out with you. So reason number one, you're just a good dude. Number two, the story we're going to share here about what you've overcome People every day in their life say, I can't. I can't lose weight. I can't climb these stairs. I can't do this. I can't do that. You said I can. And where there's a will, there's a way. And you're proof of that, man. The other thing is, you talked about this with me. You fucked up. You're here in this condition for a reason because of your attitude. I think kind of starting there because this is where we got you to. As a young jumper, you wanted to get into swooping. You wanted to get flying campies fast. Tell me that story. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if everybody is this way, but you see, uh, you know, you see the guys free flying and swooping, and 
I was just wanted to be that guy. And being a young, inexperienced jumper, you don't realize how much time it took for them to do that. And they can tell you directly, hey, it took me a lot of time to do this. And you can have other people tell you, hey, you, you can wait all the time in the world to do that. But I guess I just didn't. I thought I knew, but I didn't. And it might have been a lack of self-awareness of my skill level. Um, I've always kind of caught on to things quickly um, in extreme sports. I, I think so. Um, so I was, I had this invincibility <coughs> that I thought that, yeah, well, maybe other people, but I could do it at this lower jump number and be okay and get away with it. And I think that's the thing is getting away with it. And some people do and some people don't. And when you don't, there can be some serious consequences. The first thing, one of the first things you said is self-awareness. And man, that's such a powerful word because I don't care if it's in skydiving. I don't care if it's in life. It's something I work on <clears throat> and struggle at every day. Self-awareness. What am I saying? How am I being? How am I behaving? Who am I? And to hear you talk about that self-awareness <clears throat> is absolutely tremendous. Um, dude, I can't, uh, the, the inspiration you are, Nick, we've actually hit the highest number of live viewers we've ever seen. Yeah, dude. I mean, you're an inspiration. People love you, bro. It, it's we've had a lot of cool folks join us, and the, by far this is the biggest interaction, biggest interaction we've had. So, see on the top left, it says live, 42, <clears throat> 42 people are viewing you. 44 people are viewing you live right now. Yeah, I and was trying to read some of the comments down there. My guess is is we're gonna see well over 100 downloads for this podcast within a week. Um, not huge numbers in the podcast world, but in our small, we've been doing this 16ish weeks. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, it's been a few months now. Yeah. yeah. And so we have a very, very small gathering, and you can already see, man, 47 is the highest number I've seen. Um, I'll go back, and, and Nick will go back at some point, and we'll, we'll check out some of these comments for you. We won't leave you hanging out. I, I want to address a comment right now. Do you Bring know it. who Sean Sylvester is? Oh, I think I know what you're talking okay, about. So He's always he says, got something to say. He says, <laughs> this is his comment, free flying, manifest, when are they going to ask why he doesn't stand up his landings? Oh, which which damn. brings me to a question that I actually wanted to ask before I saw his uh, his comment. is How have you used humor to, to deal with uh, your acts? Or do you use humor? It's that the only thing I want. And, uh, you know, after you guys get to know me a little better, maybe I was hoping you guys already kind of caught on to it, is I'll make fun of myself uh, just as much, if not more, than anybody else around me will. And around the drop zone, you will hear about 100 paraplegic jokes a day, <laughs> as many as they can squeeze in, and everybody laughs. And it's funny when that one person or that one new person or customer's there and just looks at somebody <laughs> like they just freaking like they just you know they they can't believe that somebody would say something to me like that when i come wheeling by and it's it's funny and that's that's great to me is uh why not laugh at it you know it, it is what it is make fun of yourself never take yourself too seriously regardless if you're in a wheelchair if you're not it's just a good way to go about your uh about your life to in my point of view i don't even we th i don't even think we've cracked the surface to the inspiration of a person you can be but that right there is what it's all about dude 
That right there, that, uh, what, what you just said. I think right here we've got two of your close homies right here, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even thought I have these jokes yet. Your friends are Jesus. just cracking, man. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've watched your homies here, and I think you guys would agree. Jeez. He's inspiration just the way he lives his life. I mean, you can, and they're shaking their head yes, and they're definitely acknowledging it. What's, what do you see? Okay, I just got to, so my brother just commented on it. Uh, Judd looks so nervous that he can't stand it. <laughs> That's really funny. It's so how unreal. Did, how long did it take you to start cracking those jokes? Like, how long between accident to the first, like, maybe this is going to be funny? How long did that take? Uh, there, I don't think there was a buffer. I think there was, uh, I think I was in the hospital bed and people started saying stuff like that. And that's just because they knew me beforehand. And they knew that there wasn't going to be a different way for me to approach it. So earlier I asked you if you always had this personality. And you see a lot of people go through traumatic experiences and it changes them as a person. It has to to some level. But you said, I like to think I was always this way. If they were cracking jokes right away, it's a testament to who you've always been, man. You've always been this guy who smiles. Who, you, you've got a glow about yourself. Not the Asian glow, Nick. I know what you're thinking, man. Hey, you have too much of that scotch. We might just see it. Uh, dude, yeah, I'll bring on the Asian glow. Asians, about <laughs> a third of Asians turn real red as soon as we start drinking. Yeah. Um, some weird, stupid science thing. Science is stupid, man. Um, <laughs> I think it's a testament to who you are with, with all these people. Ask them about the cripple races. We're going to say, wait a minute, you know what? F it. Samantha Manning wants to know about the cripple races. Let's go ahead and talk about it right now. Oh. Kombucha, Nick. Kombucha. I do. All right. Um, so at SPC, we have we have this deck, and it's a bi-level deck. Uh, so it starts off, you come out of Manifest, and it's, it's one level. And then Tony actually built a ramp up to a pre-existing deck. And it's a pretty steep ramp. It's definitely not... Uh, it's pretty steep. It's hard to get up, but it's super, uh, super fun. So one night we had this guy, Will. Um, he, he had broken his ankle um, not too long before, and he started coming back out. And you know those little things that you push, that you put your knee on, and you can push yourself around if you have a broken ankle? Yeah, man. So he comes out there. All of a sudden, I'm not the only cripple at the drop zone. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, cool. What's up, brother? Start a gang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's roll around together. Do roll buys. Um, so you know how, <laughs> you know how after hours at uh, drop zones are. You know, we have a couple of drinks and uh, grill out and stuff. So I don't remember who came up with the idea. I think everybody was like, you guys should race. You guys should race. <laughs> yes. You know, skydivers. You know, we got two cripples here on wheels. Let them race. Jimmy and Timmy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Jimmy. Uh, wheelchair Jimmy is what all my friends call me. Um, but no, so we let everybody else, uh, and this was full participation by everybody at the drop zone. People would get in my wheelchair and on the scooter device, and we set up an obstacle course, and they would race around it. And we were doing time trials and one-on-one -on -one races. And you can imagine the carnage of these people trying to be fast, going up and down this big steep hill on a deck, slamming into walls, and just, you know, wiping out like crazy. And, you know, that's it was hilarious. And we didn't video it, but we should have. Um. <laughs> yeah, so what did Jen and Tony think about that? Uh, you know, they were there. Tony was in the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> they could complain all they want. They took part. Oh, they took part. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's all it's all fun. And uh, just seeing everybody like, here, give me that wheelchair. And, you know, get out of that thing. Let me use it. And that's part of it. It's just like, you know, 
I use it to get around, but when I'm not in it, it's everybody's toy. Just like when I was packing today, you was, jumped in it and you're like, here, let me get that thing. And you're rolling around, just sitting on the ground looking at you. You're like, oh, do you need this bag? I'm like, whenever you want to give it back When you're to done me. sitting in yeah, it. Yeah. I'm just sitting I, here. That's when I realized you had a sense of humor. <laughs> to be fair, you had just finished packing. It wasn't that long. It was like a couple minutes. I can't tell time, apparently, man. Dude, I'm Asian. I should be able to do math. <laughs> One of my favorite parts about skydivers is we don't care. And when I say we don't care, skydivers accept you for who you are. You show up to a drop zone and you be you. When you when you put on a fake persona, we care. I don't care how cool, how nice, how friendly you are. When you try to be somebody else, we just don't care. Mm. And I think uh, cripple races is what they call it, right? Yeah. That's proof of skydivers not caring, man. They they accept each other. They love each other. They do it for what it is. And that's cool. So now we know what cripple races are. You started skydiving. You started free flying. <laughs> you started swooping. You started turning your canopy. I wouldn't call it swooping. I was just trying to do 90s. Uh, <laughs> once I got into, got into it and realized what swooping actually was. But, um, no, I was just... I was really just trying to get into it um, yeah. and start turning my canopy. So uh, just 90s. and So one day you take a 90 and you turn it too low. Yeah, that's basically what happened. Um, so the thing, I was inexperienced enough to not put myself where I needed to be to start the 90. Uh -huh. um, obviously, you want to be right over where you want to land to do your turn. And if you end up, you know, coming into that, there's obviously um, a decision you got to make whether to do that turn or not. And that's an awareness that comes with experience, I believe. I don't know. I'm still not a swooper. Uh, I'm I talking agree. to oh, a couple Nick. Are, are we going to be serious or are we going to say the wrong thing? Say oh. the wrong thing. I don't care. <laughs> no, man. I do my turn no matter what. Gonna, <laughs> you got to swoop, that's bro. That's the mentality. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. To a point, we joke, but I actually, and I'm not, we're joking, we're having fun here, but I almost hate the jokes because, you know, one of the big things on Facebook is trust your rears. You should have trust your rears, bro. I do canopy coaching and some of it's swoop coaching. And when I do swoop coaching, I say, hey, man, the term trust your rears, is that true or is that a joke? What percentage of people tell me it's true? Most of them. Most people I'm coaching to swoop think trust your rears is serious because we joke around about it. First of all, people, get a fucking joke, man. We're having fun. Don't take everything so serious. I mean, I, I agree <clears throat> with that perspective, but I think that yeah. there are some new people who just don't understand how ridiculous of a thing it is. Because yes. We, and, and to us, it's so obviously sarcastic. Sure. Like, but but I think if you if you don't know the subject well enough, you can't really put it into context how bad of an idea it is. So you just take it as like, oh, yeah, that's Well, the context is a big thing because most people see it on Facebook and they think it's serious. That's what I was going to mention, um, that once the experienced jumpers get to joking um, and they do it on social media, they don't know who's looking and they don't know the fact that there's there's people that are so inexperienced that they don't even get that it's a joke. Yes, sir. And I've thought of that before, not to be like a uh, serious guy. I'm not a serious guy, but that has been a thought that went through my mind was, wait a minute, what are these people doing? And are they going to ask before they just assume that that's the right thing to do? And I think that's why, that, I, why I asked before saying the joke is to make sure that people are even aware that this is a thing that's joked about. Like that, yeah. uh, you know, the whole soap fedarf thing and, you know, just the nonsense that you might hear one experienced person saying to a, to to another experienced person there's a lot of uh, a lot of sarcasm involved and i don't think if people have realized that if we haven't made this clear on this podcast we are not very serious about what we're doing 
We're here to have a good time. We're here to drink with our friends. We're here to have fun. So you can take some of our advice for good terms. The rest of it, shove it. Um, <laughs> so, no, what you said is right, though. With experience, we get that judgment. With that experience, we decide whether we should turn low or whether we should stop a turn. Landing crosswind is not cool. Hooking into the ground is super less cool. I mean, just not. Break one rule. Don't break the other, man. Getting hurt is a rule that sucks. So you turn too low. You don't realize it. Right. Um I, I don't know if I realized it or not. Um, I knew that I wanted to be somewhere, and I checked my altimeter, and I thought I can get there and still be safe. And so I checked it and was at the altitude that I wanted to uh, start my turn at and then kept going till I got over the point, over the area that I wanted to land in, and then just did it anyways. And that's just why I say it's on me 110% was because I could have turned into final and just landed it and did a 90 on the next jump. and But I think I was so just invincible and low jump numbers to think that it would just be okay, that I could get away with it. And so, yeah, I turned, and once that ground started coming and I reached for my rears, I was all of a sudden hitting it. You know, It just happens like that You know, from 200 feet or wherever I was. Yeah. It's um, I I love the message you're sharing, and anybody who's listening to this, I don't want you to think we're going to be too dark or too too grave during this, and and I definitely want to share this experience. People need to learn something you told me when we set this up is you want people to learn from your mistake, and that's the reason we're sharing the story. We're also sharing the story to get to the really cool parts. The cool parts are coming, talking about who you are today, but. I did the same thing. You know, I, I thought as a young jumper, I can do this. I got this. And canopy coaching, beer, beer assistant, beer assistant. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he won't even get up to get his own beers. Oh, look at that. Uh, so, <laughs> um, uh, and I, and when I started skydiving, it was in 97. We didn't have the coaching available that we have today. So our coaches were trying to make it up on us. They were trying to figure it out, and we understood that. And even with that minimal amount of coaching, we effed up. I mean, I'm lucky. I've skipped off the ground twice in ways that I shouldn't be walking today. I should have an issue. I have three compressed vertebrae in my back. They're compressed together, not because I had a surgery, but because I had a bad landing that effed up my back. And I'm very blessed that I sit here and do what I do instead, that, you know, you gave me shit today. Yeah, you can get up out of my chair now um i can and and that's a different story man it, it works so listen to what judson's sharing listen to what he's talking about man i, I love how you're saying that one other thing i kind of want to talk about and this is just a this is a personal soapbox for me is trust your rears um I meet so many jumpers who they're learning 90s and they get on their rears. And if I'm coaching somebody, hey, if you're going to insist on using your rears, I'm going to coach you. I'm not going to bail on you and say, you're not doing what I want. So no, I'm going to coach you through it. But I want to tell jumpers out there, stay off your rear risers till you're good. Your rear risers enhance your speed and they enhance your distance. You add 10%, 15 20% max. 15 to 10 is really uh, good realistic numbers that you add to your distance that you add to your speed. So you're doing a 90. What are you enhancing? You're enhancing nothing. You're putting turbo on a Volkswagen bug. Give me a break. No hate to VW bugs, especially the old school ones. Um, get good at 270s and then enhance your speed, then enhance your distance. I say it, number one, because you ain't enhancing nothing. Number two, I say it because if I start using my rears early on, you just said it. You, you didn't say the words, but you trusted your rears. You tried to dig out your rears. 
my three compressed uh, vertebrae, my three compressed spine, my fused spine together is because I came out of a turn, I hit turbulence, and I was so eager to be on my rears, I started digging on my rears, digging on my rears, digging on my rears, and at the last second, that wasn't working, I stabbed out and compressed and skipped. Um, I got super lucky. It's how I met my wife, though, so it was worth it. <laughs> um, not really. Oh, what's that story? Yeah. Uh, oh, dude, I'll tell you a story, Val, if you really want to know one day. It's not how we met her, though. Uh, oh, we I, did thought you thought, uh, I thought you meant she was a nurse or something. Oh, no, no. She. Uh, we met at the drop zone. I had like 700 jumps. She had uh, like 70 jumps. I walked up, hey, how you doing? <laughs> she shot me down. Two years later, she said, try again. Yeah. A little bit better story than that. But, man, stay off your rears because when you turn low, you trust those rears. You need to trust your toggles. They save your life, rears enhance your performance. Get good. Get great before you enhance your performance. I'm sorry. I, that soapbox, I, I'll hop on every chance I get. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. And I do want to say one more thing is that anybody that talked to me about swooping or about canopy piloting, none of this, I just want to be clear, you're saying, sure. get on the rears. Nobody is at blame for any of no. this. So, you know, I just want to make that completely clear. It was all me. You've owned um, this from the beginning of that since I met you. You know, and I, I just want that to be big, clear uh, thing that whoever, you know, whoever talked to me, everybody that I asked any advice for swooping on reiterated how dangerous it was and how I might need to wait a little bit longer before I start doing it. And I feel like that's a big thing is that even though you can have somebody every time you go to do it tell you how dangerous it is that you still feel like you can just get away with it. Do you feel like there's anything that anyone would have said that you would have listened to? Honestly, that's a good question. Um, but uh, hindsight, they say, is twenty twenty. Um, so I don't know if I could answer that honestly after the fact. I mean, and, and I ask it because when I was in the same situation, learning free flying and learning how to, how to turn a parachute, I don't think there's anything anyone would have said that could really put it in perspective that would have made me listen and be like, yeah, you're right. I probably shouldn't be doing that. So well, I, I just don't know what the key is to, to get it through, uh, you know, into the heads of, of new skydivers who want to learn this stuff. And of course they want to learn this stuff. You don't, you don't get into something to suck at it. You want to do the cool parts of it. But uh, I just don't know that we have a really uh, effective and uh, efficient way to really communicate it to someone. Because I think with a long conversation like this, if someone really did sit down and listen to us talk about it, they might have a little bit more perspective, but I just don't think that that happens very much in skydiving. It's like, yeah, you, you have an AFF course, or not an AFF, but a ground school where they're teaching you a lot of basic information where I think you don't have any perspective to understand this sort of a conversation. And then you get an A license, and you're a badass skydiver by then, right? Like, I think especially at Spaceland, because the student program is so good and so thorough, I think that some people almost have a false sense of uh, their, their skill level, false sense of, uh, of what their abilities are. Bravado. Be yeah, because they've, just, they've only jumped with really great AFF instructors, mostly with thousands of jumps, who are compensating for their skill level the whole time, and so they don't have anything to really put it in, in perspective. And... Uh, so I don't, I don't think that there's a good op, you know, opportunity between getting your license and having all of that basic uh, survival knowledge to when you transition into just a regular licensed fun jumper who can really do anything that you want. I don't think there's really a point that we have these sorts of conversations of like, hey, you know, all these cool things that you see online, all the stuff that you're going to want to do. Sure, it's, it's cool to want that. It's awesome to work towards it. But uh, this is what progressing to that should look like. So uh, maybe, DJ, maybe you would have an idea with your, your training background of, of where that might fit well. 
I mean, t- t- it almost becomes a shameless plug for myself because I do canopy coaching. This Saturday, I have advanced high-performance canopy coaching. I'm, I'm training somebody who wants to learn to swoop. We started with inducing speed. <clears throat> we started with a basic canopy course. We started with talking about essentials. We started talking about inducing speed, and most people don't believe this <clears throat> until they get into it. But the first thing I make people learn to do and do speed is to land and brakes. Because I got a Aaron sitting next to me. You're an awesome swooper, bro. I've seen you swoop. You fly well. Nick, man, you almost fall on your butt every single time or you get kicked <laughs> backwards, but you truth. save it every time. Um, you know, we're all good swoopers. And I tell, and, and you guys know this, people don't. When you turn low, you screw up, you hit brakes, you bell and brakes, and you land and brakes. Swoopers are awesome at landing and brakes. You just don't know it because our brake flight is so freaking fast. So in coaching, we talk about brake landings first because. If I would have got you in brake landings and got you the confidence of I'm low, bell the brakes, finish and brakes, and finish your flare, maybe conversations would be different. I think you're a man of no regrets. I'm that way. My life has made me who I am. Maybe your show wouldn't be so good because I wouldn't be on it right now. Dude, you have set records. 61 is the highest number I've seen so far, bro. No, you straight up. 64. We've had the most shares ever. We've had the most views ever with you. So you are the king. We're going to rename it the wheelchair show. Yeah. (laughs) You've definitely proved that you're handy capable. Yeah. We're going to call it DJ Nick and Wheels. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got a full-time job on the show. Um, No, uh, two things. Uh, I'm going to go back to Nick. First, I'm going to say I think everybody from my drop zone should have been banned from this because they're just shit talking all the comments. Thank you guys um, for being here. Don't listen to them. You so, guys are yeah, awesome. No, no shit. Re- yeah. No, don't even read those comments. They're, they're worthless people. Um, <laughs> but anyways, back on uh, a little bit more serious note <clears throat> that Nick was talking about was saying how is there anything that you would have listened to? And I think hopefully now. Wait a minute. He's hired. He can keep track of conversation from 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm impressed. We usually lose, we lose the path pretty often. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Good yeah. job. No, no. no uh, they, what I was going to say is that maybe, um, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping the fact that if I roll up to a new student and say, hey, look what happened to me, this could happen to you. You know, not to be like in a dark sense. That's a really good opening line for a tandem class, too. It's a, it is a freaking eye opener. You got to think so. Yeah, for sure. That, uh, you know, anybody I ever talked to got through the the whole first steps of swooping. You know, it worked out for them. I never saw somebody or met somebody that they got messed up. And you can say, you know, you can get hurt or killed doing this. And I'm like, well, you can get hurt or killed skydiving. But swooping, you know, is a a lot more dangerous than just skydiving. Um, So maybe, maybe even for you guys, be like, hey, you know, I met this guy. um, And he did this. He turned low. He did all this. So maybe keep that in mind the next time uh, that you think you're all right and just land it. You can always jump again on the next load. I hope uh, one of my reasons of having you here is if one person who listens to this podcast, one person who watches video, if one person changes their mind on how they're doing things, I hope that it'll save things. I truly believe, uh, Nick, you asked that question. My answer is going to be to a point similar. 
what the only thing that got through to me as a young jumper because I started swooping super low, super young jumps. I went through a lot of coaching. We didn't have good coaching, but it was because they're like, he's gonna kill himself. We might as well at least try to coach him while he's at it. So we we know he went in safely. Um, so <laughs> wait, went in safely? <laughs> okay. Yes, dude. Whoa. Right. Um, I think you and I we learn the same lesson in two different degrees, the same hard way. For me, it took it, it, it took in the sprite compression wasn't it at that point I'd become decent enough, but I was still trusting my rears. It took skipping off the freaking loading concrete at Skydive Elsinore. I mean, literally pounding and skipping across that thing, going home, getting out of my car at the grocery store to buy medicine because I'm in so much pain. And then I can't walk. I, I literally, my back swole up enough, it pinched off some nerve, and that I couldn't sucks. walk. Yeah, dude, you should know, right? <laughs> so I, I, I'm hanging on a grocery cart, and uh. somebody has to pick me up to take me home. And that scared me, because for that whole night, I couldn't use my legs. Yeah, I, I had that fear, and I, I know you joke around saying that sucks because here you yeah, are years later. If you're gonna later. compare that to his situation, I really don't <laughs> think you've got a leg to stand on. Everybody oh, feels. Oh, yes. Wow, everybody feels so bad for you right now. <laughs> yeah, they do, man. <laughs> you couldn't walk into the grocery store. I just store. saw you cross your legs, man. You're you're using this to pick up on the women. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to copy you, man. Oh, uh, dude, I uh, I skipped first. You skipped better. Apparently, you're the cooler one here. Uh, no, everything I do, you do better. <laughs> I hurt myself for a couple of days. You did it for life. I'm a one upper. Yeah, we call them two shits. I took one <laughs> shit. You took two. <laughs> So learning the lesson is, is I think most swoopers who learn their lesson, they learn it the hard way. Whether they walk away from it, whether they break a leg, whether they don't walk away from it. Make me feel bad now. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, I think we learn the hard way, and I, I wish there was another way, and I, and I hope your story shares with people. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully so. You know, I want to see everybody get freaking great at skydiving and swoop in and, you know, just have a good time doing it and be safe doing it. Um and I think that's completely possible if you have the right mindset for it. But never think that you're better than you are. Dude. Because most of the time, you're not. And I'm not either. I, I posted this as a link on our last podcast. This same same thing kind of came up. It's called the, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. And it's uh, basically uh, someone who has a, an understanding about their skills and abilities because of their lack of knowledge on a, on a particular subject, which I think describes new skydivers perfectly. It's, uh, in short, uh, you don't know what you don't know is what most people will title that effect. Um, so I asked you before we got together here w things you would be comfortable talking with. And at this point, I'm just going to make an assumption, and you're comfortable with everything I ask. And if you're not, you'll tell me so. So now you land, you hit the ground. And the thing I didn't ask is how comfortable are you talking about the extent of your injuries? Uh, no, I'll tell you all about it. Uh, yeah. Um, what, what, so what happened? Um, so basically I hit, uh, it happens really fast and I hit, I hit an embankment is what was, uh, the big, maybe if I would have skipped, who knows? You can play what could have been all day long, but I hit an embankment and I stopped. I didn't skip. I didn't bounce. The energy didn't get transferred anywhere. Where it got transferred was to my spine, and it completely broke it in half. My L3 vertebrae exploded. I don't have one anymore. I have fragments in there, and uh, my spine is held together by titanium rods from my L1 to my L5. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty bad. Um, and 
I woke up, I blacked out when I hit, and I woke up, and all I can remember was that I couldn't breathe. And uh, later found out that the reason for that is because I collapsed my right lung as well when I hit. So when you woke up, I mean, did you wait? You woke up, you were still in the field, still laying there hurt? Oh, yeah. I woke up probably within 15 seconds of hitting. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, Aaron's sitting here with me. He was on the jump with me, and I just remember... Uh, I don't remember them ripping my helmet off. I had a G3, and uh, apparently they pulled it off because they could tell that I couldn't breathe. They didn't know I had a collapsed lung. They thought the helmet was choking me. Um, so they pulled that off even though they knew that you're not supposed to mess with the head or neck uh -huh. or anything with a potential spinal cord injury. Um, but they thought I was going to suffocate. Um, so they pulled it off. And... Um, so I remember, I don't remember that, but I remember waking up, my helmet was off, and I had two or three people standing over me telling me to be still. Don't move. Don't move. You're going to be okay. Don't move. And I just remember gasping. You know, I was gasping for air, couldn't breathe, and was just, I think, uh, honestly, I told, one of, I told one of them that I was just scared. I was like, I'm scared, you know. Um, and they were like, you're going to be all right, because I didn't know what was going on. And uh, I just knew I couldn't breathe and that I was really messed up. And they're like, helicopters on the way, you know, they're going to get to the hospital. They're going to be fine. So all of it's kind of a blur. Mm -hmm. um, adrenaline's pumping through the roof. When something like that happens, your body's just doing everything it can. Um, people, A lot of people have asked me, did it hurt? And I'm like, no. I never felt any pain from the point. All the pain came after... I woke up from surgery and stuff. Recovery. Um, when you hit the ground like that, the human body reacts with so much adrenaline and everything that you're, you're euphoric feeling almost. Like it's like the biggest high of your life because it just pumps so much in that you, you, you don't know what's going on. But I remember the helicopter ride. Um, it's the first time I've ever been in a helicopter. Uh, the next few times... Uh, that's not right. Aaron gave me a look. Um, I had been in a helicopter before that. We got you because here to keep the him first honest. time, the first time, it was me and Aaron hanging off of one over uh, the beach. So that was pretty cool. Um, so it was the second or third time I've ever been in a helicopter, and uh, it it was the worst time. But I was in there with a couple uh, paramedics, and they're just calming you down the whole time. Mm -hmm. But you're delirious. You're adrenaline filled. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the whole day, you know, the next thing I remember I'm getting wheeled into an OR and then the next thing I know I'm waking up in a hospital room. So you mentioned that you needed surgery. Um, was it just one surgery? I ended up having three surgeries within 10 days to correct the spine. So the first one takes the pressure off the spinal cord. Um, and then I, I believe two days later, I had a surgery where they put um, the hardware in there. Uh -huh. The first time they did that, though, it was so messed up and so off that they couldn't correct it good enough. So they did it, went back and looked at the x-rays and said, eh, that might cause some problems in the future. So we're going to have to do a third one. Take that hardware out, put new hardware in. And I was doing fairly well at that point uh, for having that. Uh, those two surgeries um and so we're like let's do the third one um because you know i don't want any problems in the future i want it to be right 
And yeah. that's what they're saying. You could stay with this, but there might be problems in the future. I said, no, I want to fix it the right way and then just recover from there. Even if that means a little bit more pain right now, I think it'll be worth it in the long run. And that ended up being the right call. Um, but after that third surgery, you can, I mean, um, you can ask anybody that was there, my family, friends. It was pretty rough. Um, I had a hard time recovering from that one. Like in the next few days after, it was probably like the most painful process of the whole thing. Um, but all that was done in Panama City at Bay Medical. Uh-huh. And I was there for two weeks. And then I got shipped to Shepherd Center in Atlanta, uh, which specializes in spinal cord injuries. Okay. And as of today, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing and that I am as well off in my situation that I, that I am because of uh, Shepherd Center. The picture, the, the you, I, I light goes on for me because I shared the picture of you for this podcast. And one of the pictures of you is sitting, sitting in front of a sign that says Shepherd Center with your arms wide open. Like, I love the world. I'm ready for it. You're there because, I mean, that's Shepherd Center. That's the people who brought you back to not life physically, but emotionally. Right. Yeah, that was that picture that you shared from me in front of that sign was exactly um, a year from when I was admitted. Uh-huh. So in that time, I had went through everything, started skydiving again, and then went back and visited and my buddy, uh, I was like, man, you got to take this picture in front of the sign because I feel like, you know, in this past year that I've came such a long way than when I first got here the first time. I couldn't imagine. I, I had, uh, again, no comparisons, but a shoulder surgery, an injury that took me seven months of recovery. I had seven months of physical therapy, outpatient, visiting three days a week. And what they did for me and defined my life and my shoulder and, my, and things I still think about today, they didn't give me what you got. You got an attitude back because i'm guessing as much as you were there working on physical therapy you were also there working on the emotional parts how hard that's what i really like those those first few days you say for the next three days you're in so much pain where's the emotion at now where are you at in your heart i think it was more of a fighter mentality for me um i'm a realist so i take things as they come i think a lot of people and not that it's right or wrong um but you know, sometimes stuff like that happens to people and they're in denial for a while. And there wasn't any denial period for me. It was, all right, this happened. I fucked up. How do I, you know, where do I go from now? Even if I never walk again, how do I make the most of it? And um, I'm that's just honest. I'm not making that up from oh. looking back on it. And you can ask anybody that was there. It was like, yeah, it was like, and then you deal with that on a day-to-day. You deal with that every day since, and I have dealt with it every day since, a year and a half later, people asking you, what are the chances of you walking again? And I'll be like, dude, day one, I wasn't even asking that question. I mean, I was, but it was like, it wasn't about, like, my life's over if I don't, is what I'm saying. It was, yeah. where do I go to maximize life in this situation and that's what i've been focusing on since that very first day when the doctor came in i was like you might not walk again i was like all right what do we do now man uh you're a product of your environment you're a producer of that environment as well you know if you sit there and you doubt yourself you question yourself you wonder what if and you think on the bad things you're going to go there 
you say you're not saying this just because you're looking in hindsight. It's so easy to believe because I don't believe you would be who you are without that mentality. And I, I really hope, man, this is the biggest reason I wanted you here tonight was this inspiration that you're sharing. The, the outlook you have on life is the reason you're the man who you are sitting in front of me, dude. And I don't know anybody in this room and I don't know anybody who's watching this who doesn't have anything but respect and love for you. Not because of your accent, not because you're in a wheelchair, but because of that personality that you just showed right there, dude. Um, Nick's going to cry here in a little bit, I guarantee, because he's a crier. I was about to say, dude, you, you got to say something, man. I'm starting to feel bad over oh, no, here dude, for this depressing is, this is, you, Nick. No, this is just how it goes. DJ talks most of the time, and I get to chime in from time to time, and I'm totally Shut happy up, with it. No. Shut up, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to sit in that chair and talk as much as uh, as you do, there would be a whole lot of awkward silences. So <laughs> I am I'm I appreciate our roles here. So dude, I, I like being on this I side. was sick Tuesday, so sick I could barely. You, you met me Tuesday. I could barely talk, and I tried to talk him into taking this chair and let me take the producer role. Nope, shot that right now. Dude, I didn't even have a prayer at that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> But we're still going to make Nick cry tonight. That is our goal. Uh, you, you, you might. I yeah. mean, this is a sweet, he's a sweet fella. I'm calling you out because I got a little teary during that last <laughs> conversation, bro. Yeah. So, man, I love that outlook. I love that attitude because back to you're inspirational, and I don't think it's just your story. I think it's you. I think uh, no matter what happened to you in life, you skipped off that accident and you walked away. You'd still be this same kind of inspirational dude. Now you just have a story that you carry with it. How long did it take you? What is the recovery process? Uh, well, with an injury like mine, it's different for everybody um, and in every aspect. So you could be, so I'm an L3 incomplete paraplegic. Define that. L3 vertebrae, uh-huh. which is lower back. Incomplete means the spinal cord wasn't completely severed. So I still have sensation in my legs, uh, and I can still move them a little bit. So you can um. still have sex? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold on a second right there. It's get, getting weird already. Let's <laughs> Getting weird. Pump the brakes. Where's are, that scotch at? <laughs> are you single? Yes, I am. Ladies, look at him right here. The man's got beautiful hair. He's single. He's a skydiver. Personality kill. Um, although I've seen a Facebook picture with a beautiful girl in your lap, so I don't know about that one. Um, he doesn't want to talk about that topic. We hit a roadblock. <laughs> um, why are you bringing up old shit? Why, not, dude? <laughs> digging up, digging up skeletons. So everybody's different. More particularly than that, L three partial. That's where we were at. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like I was saying, it's different for everybody with spinal cord injuries. The nervous system... Your grandmother's watching. <laughs> I know. Hey, your, grandma, your grandma commented that. I'm, I'm sorry, Grandma. <laughs> I love you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure... Uh, is Peggy, uh, was that the name? Oh, my. Is that your grandmother? No. So, uh, Peggy, is your mom? Your grandmothers are watching. So, Mom, Grandmas, <laughs> we are sorry. Um, he just likes to hang out with the young ladies, take them on dates. Uh, we they hold save, hands. They save the kiss for the do. wedding. <laughs> um, oh man I, the, my parents are very very devout Christians so <laughs> my parents won't watch the show because I'm an idiot <laughs> so let's go back to it you've defined where you're at what's your journey to recovery okay um, so no like I was saying everybody's different so I know people that have the same injury as me that are worse off and I know people that are better off and that's because the nervous system is so weird um there's no particular diagnosis for a spinal cord injury. 
they can only say, well, sometimes it happens this way, you know, sometimes it happens that way. So that's the hardest part about being injured like that is they could be like, you can either be walking in a year or never walk for the rest of your life. And that's when my mind went straight to, okay, I got to become like super cool with never walking again for the rest of my life. And then if it happens, awesome. If not, I've already told myself that I was just not going to walk again. But it didn't mean I gave up on it. I try every, you know, every week I go to therapy, you know, do what I need to do. But you got to, I feel like you got to start at the most like, all right, we're going to be here. It could possibly get better, but don't bank on it because there's no guarantees there. Obviously, you didn't give up. In your first month, were you you were impatient most of that? I was impatient for close to two months. How often do you do physical therapy in those two months? What do you do in physical therapy for those two months? Once you get the shepherd, you do physical therapy every day. Like but a job. Every day but Sunday. It becomes your full-time job, and it's a pain in the ass, to be honest with you, um, because you don't want to get out of bed. Um, just getting out of bed in those first stages is probably the hardest thing you do, you've done in your life. And then once you're up, um, there's just so much. It just sucks, you know. And it's different for everybody. I can only speak for myself because yeah. I don't know. The injury's different. I had sensation, so just being up, everything starts aching, um, and I would not be able to stand it for more than a couple of hours. Uh, but they at Shepherd, they're like, you're getting up, you're going to the gym. And a lot of that wasn't physical. It was mental. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Shepherd's, is one of the best places in the country to do your recovery because they they recover you mentally um, almost probably a little bit more than they do physically, and that's really cool. And also, with such a serious injury, I think I was off pain meds completely after maybe just a couple of weeks. Um, Strong man. Well, they kind of make you because um, they don't let you get addicted. They don't let you get addicted because so many people that have this injury do get addicted and dependent on pain meds. And even if I'd still be on them today if it wasn't for Shepard because I was telling them that I needed them and they were telling me that I didn't. And until I saw that I didn't, I would have tried to convince you otherwise. But that's what's really cool. They're like, nope, you're going to go work out. You're going to go do this. You're not taking this paint. You can take this for this week. After this week, we're going to start weaning you off this. And, I mean, you know, there's a lot of pain. But after that, when I went home, you know, I couldn't have thanked him more. Yeah. I um, broke 15 bones in my life. Again, no comparison. But I'm in physical therapy half my life. I felt like my physical therapist was more my therapist. They were my motivator. They were my life coach. They weren't my my people telling me how to physically do this. They were just telling me, I can do this. At some point, you fully recover, and I kind of want to get through these ideas. What point would you say, so how fully recovered do you get in what time frame? When do you hit kind of that max of, like, this is as good as I'm going to get for this time? I don't know. Um... They say like two years uh-huh. is probably what you're going to have. I've heard different things. I've heard it's like two years and then something else. I don't know. There's probably someone watching going, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. 
But I think they say, you know, a year and a half to two years is typically what you're going to have. Um, and I'm about at a year and a half, and uh, I'm still getting stronger every day. Cool. So like I said, even that time frame is different. All that is is like something that the doctors can just throw at you. Just something to give you a distraction of numbers. I think so. In my personal opinion, with this injury, I think everything that people tell you as far as time or expectations is a distraction because it's so different from individual to individual. You don't know how your body's going to react. That's why I don't really pay attention to any of that. I just pay attention to what I'm doing today and what I'm able to do today. So I I guess for me then, that's a good answer. That's a great answer that it brings me to the next question you got hurt a year and a half ago Ooh, nick nice job saw you guys train i'm trying to help it out yeah 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 um for me it's easy because i have it right here we we actually use the same, I have the same hey trainer. nobody knows what you're talking about would you get back to the conversation um, what everybody else doesn't know is we actually recently put a monitor so if you see judson bowing back and forth he is not just bowing to mr p <laughs> and his name in the show is mr p i don't know how i start calling him nick again um, Mr. P, uh, he's reading a monitor so he can see his friends and family comment. And holy cow, that is, is way bigger. Um, Heard that hey, before. Beer Man, where's his refill by Tina Ford? Hey! Tina Ford. Hey, Beer Man, where's his That's refill? That's Tiffany. Shake That's it. That's my cousin. Shake it. Appreciate it, <laughs> Tiffany. Looking out. Um, she knows. Oh, she knows. It's been a year and a half now since your accident. I say a year and a half. I'm not Ballpark. a freaking mathematician here. Um October 2015, though. Close enough. So I think it's close enough to say a year and a half. When did you make your next jump? August of 16. So I think it's probably 10. Yeah. 10 months. So 10 months to the day, basically, you make your next jump. So you've recovered fairly well in 10 months at this point. Well enough. um, You know, definitely not to the point that you're looking at me now. Sure. I wasn't picking my legs up and crossing them. I wasn't, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Probably, I don't know how well I was even getting off the floor into my wheelchair. Um, all that, you know. But I was well enough to to be confident in the sky. Okay. That's, that's exactly what I want to know. I want to know where you were at at that point. That, that, that leads into it exactly. Um, what could you do with your legs at that point you made your next skydive? I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, just because I haven't kept track of that um, month by month. And or I'm sure it's been you a, know, I mean, yeah. it's just kind of a weird... I know where I was when I started, and I know where I am now, but I honestly couldn't give you a timeline of when it happened. It's such an intense experience, I'm, I'm sure. Um, you know, so much going on, it's hard to remember it all. Right. And, I mean, I know I was I was having to get help, you know... Um, with everything, pretty much, I couldn't even put my rig on by myself. I was on the floor, and you know, I had uh, Dana. I think she's watching. Shout out, Dana. She has blown up. She's the blown feed. up. I love Dana. We work together um, every weekend, so love you, Dana. She uh, actually helped me put my rig on to get uh, to go jump. I was on the ground, and she was like helping me put it on because I couldn't even do it by myself. Um, so, yeah, everybody there, though, like you said, that family atmosphere. Sure. It was like, oh, shit, Judd's going to jump this weekend. Like, let's do it. And everybody was just 100% behind it. Probably the most crowded weekend y'all had in forever. Well, I don't know. I, I For mean, fun jumpers. We didn't, we didn't advertise it. 
Okay. It was just, I showed up and, you know, it was kind of just between us. It was like, you know, all right, let's go, Judd. And then everybody there was like, oh, shit, is he, you What's know, going is he on? jumping? Um, so, so, yeah, it was really cool, but I don't know exactly my ability. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did have two, uh, two AFFIs drive me out of the plane, and it was a uh, non-release dive just to see if I could get stable with some practice touches just like, you know, you would on AFF. And, yeah. Ended up being awesome. Everybody was having a great time. And tell tell me that somebody gave you the legs out. <laughs> yes. Dude. That had to be the first thing. That happens on every skydive okay, that good, I do good. almost. I just somebody wanna, is going. Yeah, I just want to make sure that skydivers are as come on. Univer- universally uh, large shitheads as I imagine them. Oh, they are. are. No, they we definitely are. are. They're like, you're looking good, but. Yeah, apparently Yadizio was so nervous, Jen saying uh, poor Tony was, and I would be too, man. You know, it's it's you see your homie, you see at this point, I don't care who you are in the sport, you're in the sport long enough that you're a brother, and you see your brother who doesn't have really good use of his legs making a skydive. So free fall goes good, you open on your own, you're under canopy by yourself for the first time in 10 months. The last time you were under canopy, you almost killed yourself. What are you thinking? Uh, honestly, I haven't even thought of that since you just mentioned it. Uh, I think I was, I mean, I was probably going nuts. I get, I get freaking stoked on every jump. I was probably yelling, freaking out, you know, just so stoked. Uh, I, I believe I was under a 210. I think I weighed 135 pounds at the time. So I was just floating. I was probably up there forever. Um, but we had talked through how I was going to land, um, and that's still what people ask me every day. How do you land? How do you land? And um, it, I think it's funny how simple it actually is um, and how much people question it. Yeah. But basically, at that time, coming back to you asking my ability level, I do remember now that I could lift both of them okay. like this. And so... Going into the jump, they're like, how are you planning on landing? You're going to hit and roll, you know, do your PLF or whatever. And I said, no, guys, I'm going to lift my legs and slide in on my butt. Okay. We'll see how well that works out. And I was under a huge canopy. I think I had probably optimal wins um, because Tony wouldn't have let me go up without it. Sure. Maybe, you know, five to eight mile an hour wins under a big canopy. And I came right in and... Picked my feet up, flared, landed on my butt, smooth as silk. And I, I think I had about 20 people run up, beers, freaking out. You know, it was just really cool. It's it's amazing and to hear these different stories. And one of the cool things I got to see today, one of the cool things I got to share on and I didn't get to be part of, but I got to witness, is most people will never make 100 skydives. Most people will never make 100 skydives twice. Today, you celebrated your 100th skydive as a partially paralyzed fella or a com- incomplete para- paralyzation. Say words for me. Just say paraplegic. Paraplegic. I paraplegic to the flag. <laughs> um, uh, what? That's the words. <laughs> um, I'm going to hell. I understand that. Um, it's you celebrated 100 jumps twice now, man. Today you celebrated your 100th jump as a paraplegic. That's badass. 
Yeah, no, it was really cool. Uh, the way it, the way it timed out, it was really cool because I mean we didn't plan this. It wasn't like we planned the trip around that. It was, uh, it just so happened to be that way. I, and I realized that maybe a week or so ago, that I was like, wow, it's gonna time out to do my hundredth paralyzed jump out in Texas with Aaron because we've been planning this trip for over a month now. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since he left, I think in February, um, me and Mark have just been like, how are we gonna go see Dugan? And uh, we found the week that w- fit for both of us and planned it. And then I just been jumping since then. And he asked me, I was like, wow, you know, it is going to land. You know, my hundredth is going to land while I'm out there, which is super cool because he was on my first hundredth. Did you put that together before today, before this conversation? Yeah, yeah Aaron does say, yeah. That it's differently abled, Hunter uh, Hamilton likes to call it. Um, it. It's it's amazing to watch somebody celebrate it twice. And it was cool because I could see to you guys it wasn't nearly as big of a deal as it was to some people who celebrate their normal 100th. But at the same time, I could see when you guys were going to that plane, there's a little bit of love and a little bit of, of honor. I, I, I've got to witness you jump all this week, and it's been fun to watch you jump because I think the thing that makes you – the most different to most of my new jump friends who have 230 some on how many jumps do you have exactly now uh 231 231 is you they all have a passion they all have a unbridled passion but you have an appreciation in your passion that most people don't have so to watch you appreciate every jump with a passion that i don't think most of people will ever get that's the most unique part to me um, watching you guys share that, that's fun. But a lot of our friends watching don't know some of these answers. I know I know you answer them daily, but how do you get in the plane? Uh, it's different. Uh, it's different with different uh, places and different planes. So, so let's start with home. Let's start with the Cessnas. So the Cessnas were, were actually pretty easy because uh, my chair fit in between the strut and the wheel. Okay. So I could roll straight up and pretty much push myself up into there uh, i did i don't need help getting into a cessna okay um and actually i don't need help getting into a plane at home because we have stairs instead of a ladder okay so the way i climb stairs is i can push myself up to each step and just sit on them all the way up makes sense um so no help required at home we come here and w- and see the ladder and it's like all right we're gonna have to adapt a little bit and um to kind of, I kind of went out of order there. To get into the caravan at home, um, before they knew that I could climb the steps, I was having people pull me up into the plane by my rig. So we all we already knew that that was kind of, that would work. So when we saw the stairs here, we were like, "That's probably how it's going to work." And at first, I tried to work with this uh, with the ladder. Um, I said stairs a second ago. It's the ladder. Uh, we tried to work with the ladder at first and have me kind of do this while they pulled me, but it was banging my legs against it. So we we're like, today we were like, let's get rid of the ladder, just do it like we did it at first, and uh, have one of these guys get in the plane, the other one behind me, and just kind of push me up. Um, so which one pushed him in the butt? Which one had touched his butt? Mark. Mark. Mark prefers the ass. <laughs> Um, You're an ass man. He actually requested to be down there, so I'm kind of weirded out. I don't know. He wanted to take you on this long road trip, and I understand you're packing. Dude, he's, yeah. so. he's just a power bottom. Take it easy. Power bottom. Yeah. Well, it, we know he's not a power bottom. Let's be real about this. So whatever, man. Homeboy <laughs> can push back. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then the other thing you've already talked about, again, a lot of people haven't seen this, what wouldn't know, uh, but you've already explained it when you land. You you look like my dog. You pick up your feet and you drag your butt across the ground like you got worms. Yeah. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I do a... I, I do... <laughs> that couldn't have been worded in the worst. Like, any, any worse. Like... Literally, leave it up to DJ to make it sound <laughs> atrocious. Nick can't even breathe right now. So like, I, I can't be coached regularly. Like a couple weekends ago, I did a special event. <laughs> I did over a I did over a hundred canopy debriefs. And any new jumper who flares and picks their feet up to skid across their butt, I yell, "I got worms!" <laughs> so it's not really a new joke. It's just a new application. <laughs> I can't even get up and walk away from you right now, dude. That is messed up. You're a captive audience. I can say whatever I want. What are you going to do? Kick me? Hold on. I think you can. Yeah. I'll kick the shit out of you, You bro. know what? I'll walk away. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron's got your chair, so screw you. Um, there's been a several handful of blind man jokes now. So he does blind mans on landing, which you did do at one point. I think you experimented with those. Uh, it's it's not. I mean, it's basically if I if there's no wind and I come in... Then uh, when I flare, I'll just kick kick everything to the side so that my feet don't catch. So you want to land more everything this way so you don't have that snag hazard. Uh, I haven't had to deal with any of that out here because it's been so damn windy. Dude. I have I have literally just sat down every time. I could probably stand up a landing if I tried, but I'm just <laughs> I'm a, I'm lazy as shit, right, guys? <laughs> so I. Somebody just told me I'm awful and messed up. Uh, Tina Roger Dale Sasser. How many names do you have, Tina Roger Dale Sasser? <laughs> you a car salesman? Um, so I, I've seen pictures of you standing. Are those with, with a leg brace on? Is that from this injury? I mean, I saw it on Face Space. Yeah, so I can. Uh... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. So I hate. Everybody, dude. So just so friends know what we're laughing at, a guy named Sean Sylvester said getting dragged into the airplane and showed a picture from Family Guy of them dragging, um, I forget the dude's name from Family Joe. Joe. You should know him. You guys are friends. Yeah. Um, you all know each other. So you got to go to our Facebook feed, guys, if you're listening to us to understand that joke. Um, you're standing. Did I see pictures of that? Uh, yeah. So my right leg is strong enough to support my weight. Um, so I can lock it out. Uh, the left leg is not, though. So if I prop myself up, I can appear to be standing. Like up against a wall or something, I'll have to pull myself up, and then I can lock my leg and stand there. Okay. Um, but it's not practical, and it, 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 it gets tired really quick. So um, in the picture, I think there was a brace on your left leg. Yeah, so I can do that. Um, That's why you're able to stand, because you're mainly supporting this one, and the brace made it, that one It work. locks this one out. Yeah, the okay. quad on this one is not strong enough to lock the knee. Okay, and if you're if you're watching Facebook, you probably saw as you start explaining, I start creeping on your legs, checking them out. Yeah, you know, you, you could definitely see them. Like, hey, check out them gams on that boy. <laughs> Just looking at the different masses, and as you say these things, I'm starting to appreciate and notice things I'm seeing. So he's faking it, Austin Crandall. You guys are good friends. Yeah. So now you jump. You've made 100 skydives as a paraplegic. I notice you guys do a lot of movement-style skydives. I think tracking and I, maybe some angle flying. Is that what you guys have been doing this week? Yeah. So I, I've been not completely clear because I've been running an instructor course. I've only eavesdropped it a little bit. 
are you mainly on your belly or on your back all of the above what are you doing in free fall nowadays so now i'm on my back uh -huh. um started off tracking because i was a uh, you know trying to get into free flying when i got hurt um so to when i came back you know i wasn't really like how can i make this as comparable as possible and then somebody was you know i believe it was tony he was like you could fly angles like, you know, you could if you figured out the right body position. And uh, that would be the closest thing to free flying that you could do. Uh, they do and, you know, head down or sit. So I was like, yeah, well, that's what I want to do. So we started moving pretty much every jump. And they started out flat, you know, just trying to figure out how to get stable. And, um, you know, it's still a work in progress, you know, out here. It's not like I've been flying super great. Um, but they're always super fun. And that's where... Oh, you almost messed up. Yeah. Uh, that's where Mark came into play. I didn't meet him and, uh, until after I got hurt, and uh, he was kind of into that sort of thing too. So we started going on a lot of jumps and trying to figure out how to get them faster. And it wasn't until recently that um, somebody, I don't even remember who, was like, try to flip on your back. Uh, because on my belly, you know, the legs, they're not as controlled, so it kind of it makes it an unregulated speed it'll speed up and slow down speed up and the slow pitch down is kind of like right porpoising all over the exactly. place exactly um so i go to my back and it's a more stable speed that people can adjust to and fly with and that's probably with probably the past maybe even 20 or 30 jumps not even that maybe like 20 jumps that i've started experimenting with that and uh, so that seems like the thing to try to get better at now. And that's what I'm working on. But uh, like Aaron said today, you know, you, and, you know, I find myself getting frustrated and then I laugh at myself. Like, what are you doing? You're, you're getting frustrated because you can't fly an angle on your back? And like he was saying, you, you know, even with your situation, you only have 230 jumps. Why would you? And then I split out, you know, snap out of that split second of, why did I sink out on the jump? <laughs> and it was like, wait a minute. What am I doing? I'm skydiving. Like, and then yeah. it's all of a sudden like, oh my God, this is incredible that I'm even here. And, you know, I feel like we all got to catch ourselves doing that. Like finding ourselves saying, you know, maybe getting frustrated about something and then realizing what are we doing? Man, it's uh, you, everything you say comes back to... It's not me. It's all of us. We should all feel this way. We should all act this way, man. And I'm so happy you've joined us tonight because this is the inspiration. People just, I'm going to probably go back. And Nick and I don't listen to these very often because have you ever listened to yourself speak? It sucks. It's awful. It's no fun. I've listened to a few of these for production quality. I have to proof them. I had to listen to Grand Soundbites for one of them. But the things you're saying, man, I, I'm, I'm going to bet I'm going to go back and listen to some of this. I love, I love what you're saying. Nick, maybe you got a new project, by the way, here on the side. Somebody said Plangles. Plangles are paralyzed angles. That was, I think, by Austin Crandall. He was, he said it first. Judd is, is my guardian angel. <laughs> Judd is my guardian angel by Nick King. Plangles for days. Everyone should help buy him tunnel time. Um, so now you're flying angles. You're uh, really kind of reliving your free fly goals this way. And, and I think that's a very fair comparison. I think Tony pulling that out is, is, is wise, man. That's a great direction. And Tony said you lean a mean, a mean angle jump at some point. Um, 
UPT recently uh, revealed a new rig that they call the Mutant. And UPT, I don't know if you've heard, is going to be releasing the Mutant soon. Do you know anything about this, about the Mutant rig? Yeah, I, I actually do. Um, <clears throat> I, I've seen a lot about it on Facebook, and a lot of people tag me in their stuff. Uh, but I followed Jarrett Martin, which was a uh, also a paraplegic skydiver, and I followed him since I got hurt. And uh, he was actually involved in right when they were testing it and stuff. Yeah. And he was a big advocate for it. Uh, I can't even... Mark's laughing. I'm sure Nick's saying something smart. Nick King, he said my name. I can go to bed now. Not you, Nick King. You suck. You and Steve Johnson get out of this freaking feed. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but no, the mutant looks really cool. Um, as far as getting back into swooping, um, and I think that's the way to go. Obviously, because it pitches you back, and if you're gonna land on your ass, that's the best ri- uh, best system to be wearing to do it. And Jarrett proved that. Yeah, he's actually swooping it. Uh, he's I think killing. He, he was doing it. it out in Dubai, and uh, he's back in the states now, and I believe he's still jumping it. I don't know. I'm sure he is. Only a handful of people have got to jump it. It's in production this summer. And for anybody who's looking for that style of harness, whether it's because you have a different need of landing or whether it's because you want to be a better swooper, um, they're not the only manufacturer working on it. There are other manufacturers currently uh, research. They've been researching this. Um, the first time I talked to a manufacturer about it was 2013. And I, I know a lot of them are working on it. And uh, uh, Vince, Vince is uh, Jetman from Dubai. He's also one of the guys testing it with Jarrett. And uh, that's that's when he first, uh, um, uh, Vince brought it up to Bill Booth in 2013 at PIA. Hey, you guys should do something like hey, this. Hey, shout out Tony. He said, go fund me for Judd getting a mutant. I stand behind that 100%. So, yo, people, you want to help a nice dude out? You want to help out your local man and manifest? Y'all put together a GoFundMe. Tony Antonovich has actually volunteered to arrange the GoFundMe <laughs> account to buy Judd a mutant rig when they come out. Tony, it's on you, bro. Antena- Antonovich. Antonovich. So, Antonovich, get Antonovich. to work. Um, in tunnel time, man, <laughs> everybody is trying to uh, pimp you out now. Have you flown in the tunnel at all? I did 30 minutes before I got hurt, uh, but that's it. But so not since the accident. Not since, no. And I think it, I think it would help out. Um, but I'm broke. And <laughs> no, eventually I will, though. I think How long are you in town? It. I leave tomorrow. Well, what shit, What time do man? you leave tomorrow? We didn't ask you how much know. money you have. We said, do you want to fly in the tunnel instead of leaving? <laughs> <laughs> What is what kind of question is that? Uh, my my employer is watching. Your employer, <laughs> yeah. Maybe he should get to work. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, guys. Jen. Take it easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kick back, relax. How could you? I mean, you're an equal opportunity employer. We're gonna complain to the government. You're holding a handicapped man down. So, uh, um, dude. Uh, right now, Woodlands tomorrow. Nick looks wide open. I'm done. <laughs> I'm looking at a memorial right now over here. I, I by default I go to Woodlands on a weekday because because nobody flies there. Yeah, and sorry, Woodlands up. friends. Love my Woodlands homie. And it looks like memorial's got enough open time. But if we have to work on a schedule, um, I know I can get some time. You might have some time, Nick. Let's talk about this off air. Let's see if we can fly in the tunnel tomorrow a little bit. Yeah, you in, Jen? So in, What's Jen. Time? 
You got to comment right now, though. He's going to be late, Jen, and it's my fault. <laughs> it's Nick's fault. Blame it on us. Right now, I'm going to deflate the tires on your wheelchair so you can't leave. <laughs> what time do you leave tomorrow? When do I need to leave? I mean, <laughs> after I fly in the tunnel? Do it, tunnel. All right, there we go. There we go, man. So we're going to figure this out. We're going to make this work. Sure. Cool, we'll figure this what out. What time is your flight really supposed to leave? We're driving. Oh, you're driving. We oh, can leave whenever you. we want. Yeah, you're flying in the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, sweet. Um, fuck yeah, man. Always trying to. We, we try to have fun here. We try to make something different happen every show, and I think this will be one of the fun ones. Um, maybe we'll get a little uh, GoPro. I have a GoPro uh, suction mount cam sitting right there. We'll take that with us. Get a little footage. Let you uh, take that home with you and share it uh, with your friends. Throw it on Facebook. Have whatever you want with it, man. Um, that's you know, incredible, You're guys. joining us, really? absolutely. You're part of this crew. And <laughs> if you need to get the day off, I think the ones are high enough. I think you want to share this with your boy. <laughs> Everybody sitting in this room right now, I don't care how we make it work, we'll make it work. Let's have a little bit of fun. Let, let's uh, have a good time. High flights. High flights <laughs> for a life. Whoever said it. I lost track of the name now. Yeah, it's um, already gone. So hopefully we all have a chance at that mutant rig, whether it's a mutant rig by UPT, whether it's it's other manufacturers. I ain't trying to put any heat on Kelly Farrington at Infinity, and I'm not trying to say that he's been working on that design for a while. <laughs> Throw you under the bus, Kelly. <laughs> um, I wouldn't ever say that because I'm not supposed to. Don't let me drink scotch. <laughs> um, I might get in trouble after this one. Uh, so now what's what's next for you in skydiving? What's your goal? I mean, you, you now I think you're back long enough now that you know you can go a direction. Where are we going? Uh, like Mark was just uh, displaying over there. Sorry, you guys that can't see him. He was saying, let's get steeper. And that's <laughs> and that's really the that's the idea. Um, you know, I just want to make it more fun for the experienced guys that are going with us. And try to get stable, steeper to get onto those, you know, more fun jumps where we're going really fast. So I think that's what this is uh, all about. Is and being such a young jumper as a paraplegic and as a jumper in general, there's just a lot of stuff to learn. Like you know, altitude adjustment, how fast are we going? And I even asked Aaron today, what is, what does this actually mean? I'm sinking out on the jump, but I feel like I'm going fast and then he's you know explaining you know forward uh trajectory versus just straight down and whether you're steep or you're just sinking and i've got so much to learn and that's why this sport's so fun to me is because i could be doing this for a hundred jumps and still go wow i didn't even know that and yes guys everybody watching this is an asshole i'm an idiot and i don't know what i'm doing steve johnson um uh, it, it's uh, so many of these comments keep distracting me as well. Yeah, I, I can't even look at the computer because they're all people from my drop zone just talking shit. <coughs> it's my one of my favorite things about skydiving. It's so easy to learn, but it is impossible to master. We can go forever, man. Did you point out the beard to Aaron, or you got him trained now? Is he starting to catch up? I, I think he actually just knew this time. It took like I'm not even counting. Mom, it took one beer. Uh, I've only had one. Uh, but, yeah, he figured it out. We didn't even fill that out. The way that's half a beer. That's half a beer, Mom. Yeah, Just say. So that's where you're at, and that's the future of skydiving. What's, uh, you've already said this. It's, a, it's an unpredictable process, what you're going through. But in your own belief and in your own mind, in five years from now, what are you going to be doing with those legs? I have no idea, dude. And that's, you know... That's the beauty of it is 
I don't know where it's going. I'm just enjoying it right now. And I don't even try to look I don't even try to look ahead like that. I'm just enjoying it right now. And whatever I'm doing, I'm sure it's going to be because I thought it was fun and cool. It's one of a, a cliche in many sports. Skydiving uses it for sure, but I fully believe in it. Some people survive life and some people live life. And it sounds like you're just living each day and making the most of each one as it goes along. Yeah. Su- super cool and, and inspirational. Um, a lot of my friends, man, I, and we all have them. I got Buddy at the drop zone right now who every day he's depressed, he's mad, he's upset, he ain't getting enough jumps, he ain't got enough breaks set for his can. Whatever it is, there's somebody upset at the DZ today. There's somebody driving to work right now listening to this as a podcast. There's somebody sitting at home watching this who's feeling bummed about the bad day they had. What would you tell them to do to get over it? And oh, hold on a second. Aaron should walk with a little bit more style, <laughs> throwing a nice move. Whatever. Every time Aaron walks through that screen, my pants get a little tighter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's because you wear tight for pants, Nick. Hey, don't expose my secrets. All right, <laughs> man. This camera right. only shows me waist down for a reason. Because uh, he's naked. What, what would you tell these people who think, like, oh, woe is me? Um, that, that was, uh, I'm not even sure. I, I guess I'm not touched on this yet, but... Uh, that's a big deal ever since I got hurt to me was uh, we all every day, you know, you get frustrated about something or you feel like, oh, this sucks. Um, but the biggest thing for me now to get through every day when I run into something that's frustrating that I can't do is there's always someone worse off than you. No matter what, there's always someone worse off. And that's what. All right. You know. That's what pushes me forward is like, even though I can't walk, there's somebody that can't do, that has even more of a disability or even more of this. And uh, you got to think like that. So basically what I'm trying to say is you can, you're never allowed to feel sorry for yourself. Ooh. That's Ever. a powerful statement. You're not allowed, people. Ever. Because there could always be somebody that you came in contact to with that you could say, okay, well, I feel like a shithead for complaining about that when they're doing it this way. And the reason I say that is because once you go through therapy somewhere, you meet a whole bunch of people that are worse off than you. There's people better off than you, and you look at them and go, wow, dude, I wish I could do that. So, for example... I'm in a chair, and I can stand up with a brace on my left leg, but I've met people that can stand up, not walk, just stand up with both legs. I'm like, wow, I wish I could do that. When they may be feeling sorry for themselves for, you know, not being able to walk. But then again, they might, you know, hopefully have the same, the same mindset. And I hope anybody in, you know, a situation where they're injured, you know, has that mindset. But you can, you shouldn't look one way. You shouldn't look in the way like, I wish I could do that. You should look the other way and go, wow, I'm super glad I can do this. And that's, I, I think you're a really good person who could be, you know, the example that a lot of, especially our skydiver friends think about. So do you have someone, like, is there a particular person in your mind that you think about when you uh, start to have that feeling? Um, not exactly. I have actually quite a few. 
I've made a bunch of friends at Shepherd Center um, that do amazing for themselves. Not saying I feel sorry for them. They're freaking amazing individuals. And they do great. But I do have a little bit more ability to th- than them. And I'm thankful for it. And that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is that you should be thankful for it. You shouldn't feel sorry for other people because they don't want you to. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I just want you to be like, all right, cool, he's here. Let's do it. Let's go skydiving. Let's freaking go out to eat, whatever. I got to get this chair out of the back of the truck. Yelling for running over my lines. Huh? Yelling for running over my lines. Yeah, get on my lines, dude. (laughs) I actually watch the back room. You're very careful about where you roll. It's a maze, dude. A packing room is a nightmare for a dude in a wheelchair. <laughs> Just saying. That's a struggle I hadn't even thought of. Yeah. It's a maze. And I'm throwing pilot shoots out of the way. And if it's somebody that I know, I'll grab their container and just chunk it. And, you know, if, n- n- don't step on the lines, dude. Don't yeah. roll on the lines. I, I watched That's you. etiquette. I've watched you this week, and I never thought of it either, Nick. And this week, as I'm watching you roll through the pack room, I'm like, you just went five feet, and you took thirty effing feet to do it, bro. You, you have drive to. like an Asian. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you roll in there and you scope it out and see where your gaps are, and then you just gotta take them. If you have to make one, you have to make one. Dude, it works, and then that right there though is everything that that personifies you. If you have to make your way, you will make your way. You don't care what it takes. It's not an obstacle. It's just something I got to do to get there. And that's the thing you're telling people. What What are you laughing at? Teabag and pilot shoots. <laughs> um, um, your friends on Facebook are absolutely a good time, man. One of my... Oh, yeah, absolutely. When we're done with this tonight, sit back and read through all of these comments and you'll get a good time. I, most times uh, I read it within the next day or two. Um, the, yeah, they are. I, I, 5% of posts, if we're lucky, we're not SPC people. Um, it just, it's, it's all your homies. And thank you, everybody, for hanging out with Judson tonight. Um, I, I love that inspiration. I love that look. So right now you're going to school in Alabama. We're kind of leaving that skydiving world in the future now. What are you going to school for? Uh, so I'm in business management right now. And the only reason I picked that is because I don't know what I want to do. I was about to say business management is the lamest gre- degree that people pick because they don't know what to do with their because life. Because they like, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's it is basically reality. just I'm going to school. I'm getting a degree. Yeah. And I know that. And people have told me that. And I'm like, that's why I'm doing it. Because I don't know what I want to do. There ain't nothing wrong with that either, though, man. But you I'll have a degree. Together. I don't know. I might not even use it. But I'll have one. So, so some some statistic I think sixty some percent of people who have a degree don't use it for their uh, profession. Yeah. So exactly. you're not alone. Don't sweat it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Greg, I got kicked out of college at my senior semester, my last semester. It's a whole nother long story. But I don't use anything. I was a triple major. I was an electrical engineer, and I can barely plug in my phone to the charger at night. Um, and then the one that a lot of my friends become very shocked about, I'm a pastoral theology and Bible double major. I went to seminary. I went to Bible college. I used to be an assistant pastor in churches, which, as you know me, is like. Yeah, Mark just said, oh, shit, that's exactly <laughs> where it gets to. Um, it was a very short stint in a uh, church in Albury, California. But I'm a skydiver now. Anything I have to do has nothing to do with what I went to school for, except for it progressed me in life. Right. So I'm going to ask you, and you've already answered it, where are you going to go next in life? Right now, you don't know. You're still on the journey. Yeah, it's just the journey. So 
uh, graduate, and then I'm just going to figure it out then. Uh, so a lot of people ask me, what are you going to do when you graduate? I'm going to figure out that after I graduate. The next thing. Whatever's next. Whatever's yeah. coolest, you know. Whatever's going to be the most fun. Yeah. Have you thought about getting into some line of work, into some line of, of career profession that can help people who've gone through similar things you've gone through, like at Shepherd? Yeah, I've thought of that. Absolutely. Um, I would love to work there. Um, so they have a program, uh, peer support, and that's kind of it. So it's people that have been through an accident and are paralyzed that they hire to help people through their recovery process. And, um, that was a big deal in my recovery, uh, in my recovery being that I'm not sure if you know who Warren Cleary is. Yes. We're familiar with the name. Don't know him. Yes. Uh, so he worked there whenever I was there and I knew who he was, um, just based off the fact that he was in swoop competitions and stuff like that. Um, before he got hurt. And so I got there and got to meet him, and he was kind of there every day that I was recovering. He'd come in, and being a, an experienced skydiver and a swooper and everything was cool, and he had just was had the best attitude and was goofy and just loved, loved life, you know? Yeah. And being newly injured, you're like looking at that was actually one of the bigger things to help me like, all right, you know, he's been out of this, you know, a few years, and this is how he's acting now. It obviously hasn't stopped him from being him. And that was one of the biggest things, being a peer support guy. So I saw that, and I was like, you know what? I could do this. I could talk to new people and, you know, joke with them and try to lighten up their situation. So, yeah, I've definitely considered doing something like that. Um, but also I'd like to work in skydiving somehow. I mean, skydiving's amazing, and I hear so many people complain, like, it's become such a business, it's become such a business. Shut up, you wouldn't have what you have if it didn't become a business. Our sport has grown and become such a tremendous asset. We have, a, we, we, we push boundaries because of the business. And I like the, the at-home, you know, homegrown vibe that we all like, but it's become a business. So for a guy like you getting into business management, there's plenty of opportunities. You look at places like Spaceland, where we currently have four, there is a rumor, and Steve has actually said he plans on opening a fifth this year. We'll all see where it's at when it happens. Um, everybody always asks, where is it going to be? Where is it going to be? And one day, uh, Steve was, people were all over Steve and said, where are you going to open next? Where are you going to open next? And I looked at him and said, I'll tell you where he's going to open next. He gave me the dirtiest look I'd ever seen. And I'll tell you guys right now where he's going to open next. The people who sign the paperwork next. That is the secret. And when I said that in front of Steve, first of all, I think he was relieved I didn't give away anything he shared with me. But second, he's like, that is exactly, that's the truth. It's whoever does what next. You have a future, man. It's, I, you know, I think Ben Nelson is proof that you don't have to be a good skydiver to be able to manage a drop zone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shot burn. out Ben. Oh, I don't even know yeah. you that well, but there was a shot fired right oh, there. Oh, dude. Uh, if we can't beat on Ben, we don't know what we're doing here. All right. Is there any way I could take a short break? You could take a short break. So he's going to go to the bathroom, I'm guessing. <laughs> Duh. Duh. So uh, while he goes to the bathroom, let's talk a little bit about some other things. Let's do some things. And uh, you're going to help him and get him a share to him. So, hey, Nick, Sorry. we've been talking in the video room the last couple of days about doing a special event. What is it? Oh, we uh, talked about having a little bit of a film festival. 
So uh, Gravity Lab Film Festival, uh, a lot of our friends were just telling you about this. We have not got the official details yet, but we are going to throw a film festival at the end of this summer, shortly after school starts, Skydive Spaceland Houston, and in particularly Gravity Lab, Nick and I are going to host a film festival. And then uh, when it comes back to uh, Dallas, Luke Hively and some of our Dallas friends, and we'll announce the details of that here very soon, our Dallas friends will be joining us. So Spaceland Dallas with Luke Hively, Gravity Labs, Spaceland Houston are going to have two film festivals at the same time. We're going to let the crowd vote on it. All you skydivers watching this, all you skydivers hitting this up, definitely make sure you throw your and save your video for the day. Um, Throw your video in there for the day, um, and we'll have this. We're going to have some cool prizes. I'm already talking to some of the vendors. I've already got some gear manufacturers in line to support this. The winner of Houston, the winner of Dallas, we're going to throw your videos online and have online voting for a period of time we make up at that point. So uh, our goal is, is a film festival. And guess what? Nick ain't making a video. That's a huge relief. I'm really happy about that part. I, I think that's the first thing you said to me is was when I said we do it, you said, I don't have to make a video. <laughs> I know. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy making videos, especially fun jump videos. Like when it's something that I have complete creative control over, I can make whatever I want. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when something becomes work so much, sometimes it becomes a little more difficult to uh, to no, do that same thing for fun. No matter how much you love work, it's work. So you're the video guru back here. You're the guy behind the desk. You're the hot bot guy, guy producing. I'm really good at pushing one button to show the world myself. That's my, that's my you greatest You slide skill. knobs and you mute things every here and there. So uh, what advice would you give to people throwing these videos together for this film fest? Uh, when I am making a video, the way that I usually tell if it sucks or not is I show it when, when it's in progress. I'll show it to to someone else, some another skydiver, if it's a skydiving video, and I don't watch the video, I watch their, I watch them watch the video, and you can get really in tune with the moments that you know lose their attention, the moment that they check their phone, they look over their shoulder, whatever. You can you can see where you've uh, kind of lost someone, so you'll know where you need to speed things up or take things out or or whatnot. But keep it short, keep it sweet, uh, and I like that music. It starts with good music for me. We are going to throw a time limit on this when we post it. We are going to put a couple rules and ideas down. But, you know, Aaron, what I've learned, and, and guys, a lot of y'all know Dukes over here. A lot of your friends are, are calling out to you. We got our boy Aaron, one of our constructors. What's up, buddy? How's it going, DJ? It's going good. Yo, 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 you've been kicked out, bro. Yeah, we don't need here. you anymore, go, man. Go. No, no, I got yo, you. Aaron has got it covered. Yeah, kick, the, kick those dogs out. Oh. Dude, just kick them. <laughs> man, <laughs> yeah, just kick him. So, uh, how you doing, Aaron? I'm doing all right. Yeah, man. This is the guy who didn't want to be on the camera in front of the mic, but he's so good looking. <laughs> Jesus, oh. sexy. So, what I learned, Aaron, is whenever Nick shows us a video, he's staring at us. So, next time he shows you a video, check out. As hey, soon I'm as not he hits staring play, right at you. I'm using peripherals. All right, it's subtle. <laughs> as soon as he hits play, just start staring at him. <laughs> and then we'll have our own romantic we'll moment like I've never up. fantasized about every single night since I met when you. I'll I bring look. out a single noodle and we can lady <laughs> in the tramp pad. It'll be great. Oh, wow. A noodle. Uh, so anyway, right, Jetson, I'm going to give you the floor. Hey, wait, whoa, wait, wait. Whoa, it's just getting good, man. Hold on a second. <laughs> All right, fine. So you, uh, You're the one that sat down in that chair. You, you brought this on yourself. So what do you do at Skydive Spaceland, sir? Uh, hang out. You hang out with your wing out. Yeah, no, I do tandems. Tams, how uh, many jumps you got? Uh, not exactly sure, but close to 1,700. And are you single? Yeah. What's your sign? I'm an Aries. Wait. Aries. <laughs> You're single, but are you ready to mingle? 
Yeah. Our, <laughs> so our boy Adam Chamberlain made a post a little bit earlier that I just didn't read because it wasn't appropriate, but now it is. After party at Alpha Kappa Hyder. Alpha Kappa Hyder. I just want to give a <laughs> shout out to uh, Alpha Kappa Hyder. It's the best spot on the planet. And uh, we got Panches Dating School there. <laughs> and water it, training this week. Is uh, that the how to get herpes in 30 days or less? Right. No, no, it's 30 <laughs> seconds or less. And it's it's awesome. And then you got our boy Blue, also known as the Godfather. The Godfather, Mr. Hyder. So, um, where you going? Nowhere, man. People don't want you to leave. People don't want you to go anywhere, man. <laughs> but you know what? That's a prettier face, and he's got better hair. So, we'll kick it back over to Justin. <laughs> That's right. Nick, while Justin's getting back in the scene, man, what else do you want to tell people about uh, advice for this film festival? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Just make it exciting. Skydiving... Uh I think it's easy for people who are good skydivers to come up with uh, with good footage. So uh, if you are a less experienced skydiver, uh, you're going to have a lot of cool uh, exits and a lot of landings in your in your video, and maybe a little less of the uh, of the flying. I, I used to make when I first started fun jumping. I was a really uh, I was a really bad skydiver for a long time. So that was all my videos were uh, exits. Lots of openings, lots of landings, and then every once in a while we'd have some some uh, some good free fall in there. There's an age max of 18 for Pancha's school. Oh man, <laughs> as from Sam. Oh, that's a little something that I am considering. That's for older than I would have uh, really expected. I thought they were. <laughs> I thought they had the 16 year old cutoff this year. Oh, ouch, man. Something I do want to uh, talk about, and we've not put this rule down yet, and we'll discuss, but I want to make it very clear that there's not a variety bonus. When I say there's not a variety bonus, if videos have same footage as other buddies, we don't care. The crowds are voting on it. It's going to be crowd reaction. And it doesn't necessarily have to be all free fall. You know, you could be yeah. shenanigans at the drop zone. There was a, uh, so uh, in Mesquite, Nevada, every January, we have what's called the Blue Skies Boogie that uh, Scott Ive Ogden in Utah helps to put on in, in Mesquite, Nevada. And there's a film festival there every year. And I think that was actually a big uh, turning point for me in learning how to edit videos is I, I made a project for this film festival and really uh, invested a lot of time into learning how to edit just, just for this film festival. But uh, one year there was a video that won, I think it had like, 12 seconds of actual skydiving in this video and the rest of it was just uh, drunk skydivers doing crazy things which was totally acceptable look up the bastard if you can find it and look up bastard and get a chance and you've heard me talk about the bastard before it was in uh, the flyboys film festival back in the uh, early 2000s i want to say it was late 90s somewhere in that era and uh there was a few a guy left an airplane at 700 feet on a base rig. That's the entire skydiving in like a five minute video is, you know, two seconds of free fall pitch and land. And he, he pays with just everything he's got in his pocket. Yeah. Right? yeah candy wrappers. So share that people. You don't have to make a super cool skydiving bit video. You got to put a video out there that people like. Uh, one rule I will tell everybody that is going to be out there is uh, you have to be present to win. So I hate to say this to my friends who think they're going to send a video uh, from wherever they're coming from, I agree. You can send that, and we'll enjoy it, and we'll share it, and we'll give you props and shouts out. But if you're going to win anything, you got to be there. You know what that means, Judson? You're coming back. In that September. means I got to come back out here. You got it, man. You're coming back in September. That is definitely it. That's Blake Milford, man. Blake is a super good dude. I used to work with that guy. All right. Well, you don't have to twist my arm, I guess. Boom. So we got you back. Um, your future, you can, you can get into working with Shepherd Center. Um, you can get into to skydiving and business management. But with Shepherd, have you gone back? Have you visited? Do you already go out and do this peer uh, program that you've been talking about? 
Uh, not exactly. Um, when I went back that time, you saw me, uh, the picture you, you took with my hands in the air. I went back and I was trying to talk to people. It was a short visit. Um, so I didn't get to exactly do as much as I wanted to. Um, but after I was impatient, um, maybe four or five months after that, you go back for a second time for more treatment. And in that time, um, you're still doing physical therapy. Mm-hmm. It's called outpatient. You know, it's just outpatient, like day program is what they call it. So you're not full time. You stay off campus and you come back every day and just do like a full day of physical therapy. And then you go back to your apartment. So I'm trying to read. I shouldn't try to read that. No, I'm it's hard. It, I only it, see it, screen it's just flashes. dumb. Like Nick doesn't have a life. Nick King. That's all he's doing is just thinking of comments. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I've seen a lot of horrible <laughs> jokes, and these people telling these horrible jokes are my friends now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, everybody that has commented on this now is required to come out to Spaceland and do some jumps uh, just to meet these guys because you're ruining the show. We're trying to answer <laughs> questions here. Um, he's inspiring <laughs> people, and you're crushing our dreams. Yeah, shit. All right. Um Train of thought. So, yeah, uh, so back when I was uh, I was doing the day program, uh, I was helping out. Like, I was just looking for stuff to do after we got done with therapy. I was there, but I wasn't doing anything. So I was like, hey, let me go talk to people. Let me go do this kind of in a peer support role um, just because I wanted to because mm-hmm. it helped me so much. So, yeah, I just started going around room to room. And they were like, yeah, you can do it. Just roll around, you know, go to these, this room, this room, this room, this room. And I would go talk to people and roll in and just basically tell the person I was talking to, hey, look, I'm like five, six months out of injury and I'm already feeling this great. Like, you can too. And so that's, that was really cool. Um, and there's actually another story in there. Um, but I don't know how long-winded you want me to be. Share it, brother, man. So Facebook Live caps us at four hours. Yep. So we have so two hours yeah, you left. You got two, two more, two hours uh, and two and a half minutes to get it out. You have an yeah. hour and a half to tie the record. Uh, it's not a long story. Um, <laughs> and maybe, <laughs> yeah. No, I can, I can shorten it up. Uh, but hopefully, you know, if Sebastian ever sees this, you know, love, love you, dude. But basically, they told me we have a skydiver here. And uh, you need to go talk to him. And I was like, perfect. There's, Warren there's was that to you. Yeah. So I go and uh, go to meet this guy. And I meet him and it was just like, you know, like that. Like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, hey, who are you? And I tell him. I'm like, hey, I was here, you know, six months ago. And so it was super cool meeting him and his family. They ended up being the absolute nicest people I've ever met in my life. I mean, just took me straight in. We were going out to eat and everything. And, you know, he's from Mexico. Uh, he had 400 jumps and a uh, wingsuiter guy, you know, big wings. All he did was wingsuit. And he exited the plane uh, in the land, I believe. Don't quote me on that, anybody. Um, it was somewhere down there, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in those three. Somewhere in the penis of America. You know, down there Florida. in uh, middle Florida, and he was he was just fun jumping, and he exited the plane, and the guy that exited after him 
corked on exit, ended up hitting him and knocking him out, breaking three of his vertebrae on impact, and the dude fell unconsciously until his AD fired and woke up in a road and couldn't feel anything. And Wait, I don't think I understand how, how the accident happened. How did they collide? The guy that exited after him um, corked somehow and dove into him. They're on the same jump. Okay. And the dude after him, I guess there was enough separation for him to build speed in a dive to hit my buddy and so hard. Okay, so he accelerated and, and, yes. and hit him from above. Okay. It sounds yeah. like he was almost on his head in a wingsuit on accident and hit my buddy. And my buddy never even saw it coming. It's amazing. Like I, I don't have a lot of wingsuit experience, but how much speed how much speed you can build, not just in a dive this way. But and I'm, if people are listening to this, I'm pointing down with my hand vertically. But if you're flat bellied earth in a wingsuit and you stall it out, uh, I was wingsuiting the other day with Anthony Kimball and stalled a bit and did a little bit of flat spin. And his video angle of how much altitude I lose quickly staying belly to earth is tremendous. So it sounds like this guy is, is vertical hitting him, but even belly to earth, I could see a wingsuit colliding with somebody else and just having a true free fall collision that could create this. Yeah, and I don't know how much Sebastian would want us to be talking about this. Sorry no. if it offends you, Sebastian, if you're watching this or if you saw it, that I brought it up. But I just wanted to give an example. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that you're I telling, got to, we, we've seen those details online enough. I don't think you've broken any Right, yeah, I don't want to break any there. Uh, yeah. we're, we're super good friends to this day, and we still talk. Um, but he's an amazing individual, and that was what I was getting at, that it, you can make those bonds um, just by – I happened to be there like three weeks and already met one of my best friends doing that whole peer support thing. And so, yeah, it's super rewarding, um, and it, it could be very rewarding if I ever got into it full time. But then again um, – I do love working in skydiving just because I love working with skydivers, even though you guys can be a pain in the ass. That's why you like it, dude. You like the pain in the ass. So now you, you still work at skydiving part-time. Yeah, somebody got perverted over there. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> so I'm, I want to speak up for Aaron here for one second. I'm going to let you take that back over. But Aaron points yes, out. Yes, you, Kyle R., Bugging me all the time. Pain in the ass. Aaron points out that uh, um, Sebastian, meeting Sebastian is what led you to your first wingsuit jump. So you've actually made a wingsuit jump. Yeah, I have. Um, so before I got hurt, uh, I think most people these days are so overwhelmed with media and wingsuit flying. Uh, that That's what kind of gets them into skydiving. They're like... I want to do that, and they don't even know what to call it. They want to do that squirrel thing or that. You ever fly one of them squirrel suits? Yeah, every day. <laughs> yeah, so we hear it all the time. And um, so, but no, I was just like anybody else. I wanted to do it. I thought it was super cool. Um, so I got hurt, and, you know, I just couldn't do it. So it was kind of out of the, just not existing anymore. It was just not possible. And then uh, meet. Sebastian and he had a couple suits he was like I'll send them to you you know use them whenever you think you can and so it was a lot you know it was like you know not very possible they've just been sitting in my room mm -hmm. and you know we got to talking about it talking about it and I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of comments about that jump it wasn't very clean um, <laughs> but we decided that it would be safe 
and that was a big thing. And, um, you know, the DZO wouldn't have let me do it if he didn't think it could have been safe. And there was a lot of briefings beforehand. And we decided that it was a super small suit, an iBird. <clears throat> so, and we went and, we went out and did it. And uh, the exit and deployment went great. And that's all I can say about the jump. <laughs> but wait a minute. There's three very important parts of the skydive. The exit went great. The deployment went great. The landing went great. Because you didn't mention that. Oh, yeah. the Well, uh, there's actually four that I could mention. The exit went great. Where I wanted to pull over the drop zone went great. I pulled in the spot that I wanted to. Over a toilet bowl is what I'm reading right there now. There was a uh, toilet bowl, toilet bowl, <laughs> swerve, flip. But I ended up at the spot that I wanted to be at somehow. So that was good. For me, I like being, you know, ha being able to make it back to the drop zone is kind of cool for me because I don't want to have to walk to a road. <laughs> to <-do -ch. laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> the landing went great as well. Man, just just the old, the old you beat yourself up more than anybody else, and that's what makes me laugh. Just how harsh you are with yourself is good to see. So. You've got enough wing shooting just to say you've done it. Probably not going to do much more of it. I've done one, um, and I will do more. That was actually three weeks ago. And then the couple weeks leading up to this, I was saving my money to do this. So I wasn't jumping a whole lot. Live life, people. I, that's all I keep hearing. Live life, people. Live life, people. Cal R was the guy that did my first jump that just commented, oh, he's doing more. He's doing more. So now you work at Manifest regularly. People walk into the drop zone, and I, I wondered about this, but you told me you just sit in a regular office rolly chair so you can just roll yourself around and look somewhat normal. You know, more anything else, you look like, why is this lazy dude not getting up and walking? And they find out, and they feel like an a-hole. So... Yeah. Do most people who walk into the drop zone ever have any clue you're paralyzed? Not if they're tandems. It's yeah. rare that I get out from behind the desk. So if you're a tandem, then you probably just think I'm lazy. You probably just think I'd rather push around than walk around. And, and let's be fair, manifest. you are lazy. I am lazy. I yeah. have, uh, you know, you already seen Aaron getting my beers and and everything. Uh, so And Mark doing half your pack jobs for you? Yeah, Mark does half my pack jobs and... And all this, so yeah, definitely a lazy dude. Um, so they're right in assuming that, but no, they don't know that I'm in a chair. That's yeah. what most people say. He's in a chair. So when tandem students figure it out, which is rare, how do they react when they find out? Because you told me earlier this week, every now and then they'll see you getting on the plane, and they're like, wait a minute. Do you normally get any interaction or reaction out of those tandem jumpers? There's never an interaction. Nobody is ever bold enough, I guess, to say anything. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask, what's that What's that all about? Push-ups okay. for Santana? Okay, okay, okay. So step over here for a second. You guys can. I can't. But um, <laughs> Nick got that. Uh, so <laughs> I got it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, so... Um, no, 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 we usually it. go out to eat. Keeps him from reading it. <laughs> yeah, it keeps uh, from distracting me. So usually after a big day of jumping, we'll go out to eat at a at a local spot, you know, just a Mexican restaurant right down the road from the drop zone. We're in the middle of nowhere, so we have like two options pretty much. Most easies. Um, so we go down to this Mexican restaurant, and not 
too very long ago, just uh, a couple months ago, I think, we came up, or uh, I don't know, Nick's, Nick will tell you who came up with it. It was probably him. Um, but they came up with this game that if you say tandem off the drop zone, you have to do 10 push-ups. And so it's really funny at dinner baiting people into saying the word tandem. So in front of the whole restaurant, you have to get on the ground and do 10 push-ups while you're in the middle of a meal. I can't do 10 push-ups. And I am no exception to that. Sean, if you're still watching, I don't even want to hear what you have to say. Uh, But they bait me into it all the time. And they really bait everybody, you know. They'll come up... <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, it's it's a fun game to like, because everybody's aware of the game. But once you you know you have a couple of drinks, everybody's talking, and they'll ask you a question, and you're like, oh, it was a tandem or something. You know, uh, you you'd have to be there to kind of hear some of the baits that they do. But it's it's actually really funny seeing people do, you know, ten push-ups, and some people. Jensen uh, has to do squats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was effed. I'm sorry, but that was awesome. No, I do I do girl push-ups, and they give me shit about that. They say they're girl push-ups because of your pretty hair. Yeah, I'm going to assume that. <coughs> I bet all these people watching are drinking as well, so the comments are just getting yeah. like... I, I like this game, though, Nick, because one of the things that we try to convince jumpers to do when we go out to dinner the last thing we want to do is talk about work we want to have a good time we want to kick it hey put some style in at this time beer assistant um we we want to have fun and then the new jumper always (laughs) 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 the new jumpers want to talk about skydiving the whole time so actually implementing games like this every time somebody says tandem or skydive uh that you might start seeing alpha kappa hider roll roll into this that's a really good game man i I like that idea a lot yeah Yeah. it's it's funny it's really funny just because a lot of the times it's the experienced guys saying it you know it's not like it's always students um you know the the uh i think maybe last weekend the uh the dzo did about 500 correct me on that nick i know you're watching i think he did 500 he confuses me mr p when he says nick every time yeah yeah sorry sorry nick two times mr p is here nick is the one trolling the comment section we're good with that That let's separate that out i won't call you nick anymore mr p it's all good all Uh, is forgiven nick king is the one i'm referring to and i'm sure he's talking right so we uh 1286 or something like that oh yeah that's right because it was a guinness record yeah, I heard it was so. It sounds like you guys have a good time. Yeah, the, we do. We like to have fun. The next thing I'd ask it, and I know you guys have had a lot of visiting jumpers. As a matter of fact, a lot of my friends have told me about you, or have commented on this feed, or or on the post about this that they're going to meet you. A lot of fun jumpers when they meet you, how they react, I really don't care. How do you want them to react? Because my guess is, is some of the people react in a way where you're like, "This is awkward, bro. Just get over it." Yeah. Half the people meet you, or a third of them, go like, hey, what's up, dude? Who are you? Yeah. How would you want us to treat you? The the best way that I like to be treated in skydiving or otherwise is, hey, nice to meet you. If you need help, ask me. If not, I'm going to treat you like anyone else. And what size shoe do you wear? <laughs> that might have went over my head. That, that was just really bad because, you know, you use a wheel. 
Yeah, that's a bad joke. It's a bad joke. I'm dude. 43, dude. It's bad jokes. I don't have kids, but I, have I the still age. have a shoe size. Look, he's got feet. I got feet. You never need to buy new shoes though, because these things look tattered here and down here, crystal clean and brand new. Man, all right, just everybody looking. Look at these soles, man. He's Not got souls. So, no, uh, <laughs> never trust a man in a wheelchair with dirty shoes. <laughs> I have that one punchline that didn't get stolen from me. Yes. Um, they might have stolen it at some point because they've been throwing them out there. Man, people, you're going to meet a lot of friends in your life. You're going to meet full paraplegics. You're going to meet incomplete paraplegics. You're going to meet blind folks. You're going to meet folks with different things. Uh, a dear friend of mine, a guy named Jay Stokes, he's the president of USPA, his son has uh, cerebral palsy. And Nick is fully understanding. There goes Nick again, right? He's fully understanding, but his communication skills are extremely limited. Um, he grunts for communication. Every now and then you can get like, you know, uh, every now and then he'll get the full word out on a good day. This is, this is Jay's son, you said? Yeah, Jay's son. And the one thing I learned very quickly about Nick, Jay's son, um, Jay's son, now I'm saying all sorts of weird names, is he wanted to treat normal. Um, at the time, I still wasn't a drinker, and Jay and I were out to dinner, and Nick wanted a beer. He gave sign language for beer, and Jay says, well, we'll get you a beer. And he sat there, and he pouted over the beer. I mean, Nick's my age. He's probably like 38 right now, 40, 39 years old. He pouted over the beer, and Jason or Jay said, oh, you want to, after five, ten minutes, oh, you want, you want, you want me to order a beer? Yeah, I want a beer. And, uh, again, it's all grunts, so he orders a beer, and Nick still looks there, and he's mad. And now he's glaring at me like he's going to kill me, like, you better understand what I'm... Th I am going to think this into your brain. And finally, Jay and I looked at each other, and Jay pointed at the beers, because Jay knows I don't drink. He points at the beers, and he pointed at me. I'm like, yo, Nick, you upset because I ain't drinking, bro? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to drink with you, dude? <laughs> I had a beer. It was one of the rare beers I'd ever have. But in that moment, I realized all Nick wanted to do was drink with beer with the boys. Yeah. You know, I'd known this kid at this point. Now I say, kid, he's he's a grown man. I'd known him at that point for probably ten years. I've known him a lot longer now, and he just wants to be one of the boys. And I think the one same could of be us. one of us. They, uh, <laughs> that's what you. I think that's what you explain, man. If you meet, if you meet Judd, you know, I asked of some really weird questions early on in our conversation, but I think it was partially because I, I was trying to get a little background to what we're doing here. Um, I've noticed you're, you're one of us. Treat you normal. Treat you completely fine. Offer you the help, but don't expect an answer of yes. Right. No, I'd rather have a... Um, I'd rather be like, hey, you know, I need help with this, and then get a fuck you, <laughs> and then they just do it. And that's what I get with these guys, and that's why they're like my best friends. And, you know, like before I came out here, I was at the drop zone all day, and you know, the house we're staying at. I crawl up the stairs, crawl to the bathroom, take a shower, crawl down. And they're like, dude, we've been waiting on you, bro. So to be like, fair, speed it up, dude. You're staying at Alpha Kappa Hyder, right? I am staying at Alpha Most Kappa. of the guys who live there crawl up the stairs just because that's what they're capable of for different yeah, reasons. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, that's I mean, you a different breed. Yeah. That's, that's the beer for those fellas. Um, there's so many things that come to my mind, and you've done such a good job answering a lot of these questions. I don't want to go too far. Nick, do you have anything that you want to bring up and ask Judson about uh, his yeah. story? Yeah, so one thing that I thought about when, uh, when DJ said that you'd be on the, on the show here, there's a, I, 
I went through a pretty serious <coughs> TED Talk phase. You know what a, a TED Talk yeah. is? So there's a, a guy who they do a study where they study people who uh, win the lottery and people who become paralyzed from the waist down. And they, uh, the, the theory is that people who uh, become paralyzed are going to be super depressed. Their, their lives are going to, you know, they're going to they're gonna be stuck in depression because of their accident. And that the people who win the lottery are going to have, like, these amazing new lives because now they've just won these millions of dollars. And uh, what the study shows is that for about three months, the people who win the lottery are ecstatic and they have this great life. And then after three months, they... they it kind of wears off and they go down to, to baseline, back to, to where they were before. And same thing with the people who become paralyzed. Yeah, their lives do get difficult. And then about three months later, they kind of become the same the same person that they were before. And so I wondered if you kind of had a, a similar experience. Like, what, Was there a time that it really set you back? Because I didn't know you before the accident, but it, it seems like you've gained a lot of perspective and have probably grown a lot as a person, that you have maybe even a, a more positive outlook on life than you did uh, before the accident. So what do you, how, how, uh, I guess, how, how long or did it really set you back? That's a really cool question. Um, I've actually never heard that TED talk. It's really good. And I would like, I would uh, like for you to post it because I would love to watch it. Um, and I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, but no, I love TED talks and I'd love to watch that one, but I think that is spot on. Um, actually, because you hear about people that win the lottery, they think that their lives are about to be amazing, and then you hear about depression, and we can't comprehend it because we're like, if we had that much money, we could have all this fun, we could do whatever. Um, but also for me, I don't think that's what we we're talking about. For me, you do go into a certain low, and I don't know exactly how long it takes you to climb out of it. I mean, uh, and is I'm just is asking about your time? experience. I mean, I th- think it's individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you do climb out of it. Honestly, I think, I think it is, I think you go up and down probably for the rest of your life. And the way you look at it depends on how much you're up and how much you're down. Um, I'm probably down, you know, just maybe a few minutes every day. Because, like I said, I'll have those moments where I start to feel sorry for myself or I start to freaking act like, wow, you know, I wish I didn't have to crawl around here. I wish I didn't have to do this. But then I kick myself in the ass and say, quit being, you know, quit being an asshole. Like, you got it good. You've been skydiving all day. So what? You have to crawl into the shower. Suck it up. Go to your friend's house or your new friend's and... Talk on the freaking show. And that's what you do. So for me, it's every day. It's not like there was a period um, that I dug out of. It's just a, it's going to be a constant battle forever, but it's all the mindset that you, that you approach every day with. And it's like, all right, yeah, this is harder now, but it could be harder than it is. And that comes back to the whole, like, it could be worse. Do you, do you feel like anything in your life has actually become uh, better after the accident? Like, has it has it really benefited you in some way other than, uh, you know, having the, the new mental perspective that you're able to have? Yeah, definitely mentally. Uh, I wasn't, I'm still not smart, but I'm definitely smarter, I think, in a life sense than I was before. Um, you know, I was naive, 
I thought that nothing bad could ever happen to anybody or myself. Nothing bad could happen to me. And after that, you know, it was kind of a, yeah, let's take everything more realistically and let's enjoy everything a little bit more. And let's look at things and other people in a more realistic sense and uh, treat them that way and treat them better. So I think it definitely helped my approach on life and maybe the way that I touch other people, it helped that. Because I'm not sure how I came off to people before I got hurt. I don't. I never want to be cocky or arrogant, but I'm sure there was instances that I was when I shouldn't have been ever. No, and I think it's super noble to uh, make an effort or even have the realization that your situation has the potential to be bigger than just you. Like that by sharing your story and that by you know putting in the effort to be a positive person, that that affects so many more people's lives than than just your own. Like I don't think it's a coincidence that you have the most uh, you know viewers and interaction that we've had you know, in our, in our short time as a podcast, like, I think that just, uh, speaks a lot to, you know, I didn't, I didn't know you much at all before tonight. I, I don't think we had more than, you know, 20 or 30 seconds of, of conversation, but you know, I can fully understand why you have, uh, so many friends here who are so eager to, to chat it up with you. So, uh, I appreciate the fact that, uh, that you are who you are and that you, uh, you know, kind of, uh, let your story be a little bit bigger than, than just you. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. It's super good meeting you. Um, super happy to be here. I don't think um, your mic's off, DJ. No, it's not. He <laughs> said my mic's off. It was. <laughs> I don't think um, it, you're inspiration for so many reasons, and and I, I like what you guys just said. And something that I would see awesome in you doing, and you got to do what you want to do. You got to do what's right for you. But man, I could imagine a fellow like you traveling the country, traveling the world, and telling people an inspirational story. And back to it, the inspirational story, the vehicle of your accident is just that. I think your accident is a vehicle who helped you become who you are today. Back to I said it earlier, I have no regrets at all. I'm the man who I am. I am who I am today because of what I've gone through, and it's made me a better man said and done. And, and you live that, but it's not just the vehicle that's the inspiration. It's the man, the way you look forward, the way you think. I think a lot of us could learn from your mindset. And back to not a mindset as a paraplegic, it sounds like the mindset of Judson Buchanan. Dude, you're, you're such a powerful, inspirational man, and, and I can't thank you enough for sharing what you've done today. <coughs> yeah, man, that's not what I'm after, um, you know, but... If it helps anybody, then, you know, that's that's awesome. You know, I'm not trying to be, I don't view myself as bigger than anything or anybody. I just, I'm just happy to be here and happy to be doing what I'm doing and happen to have all these fucking awesome friends that, yeah. you know, hang out with me and skydive with me. Well, man, I hope when you leave here today, you realize how much you do inspire people, how much you do lift up people. Because, you know, when I was younger, I was always searching for happiness and I was always trying to search for the smile and I couldn't figure out what could make me happy. And the thing that I figured out that makes me happiest is making other people happy. If you watch me in my job and you watch me in my life, you know, I'm always about other people's success and motivations and making other people smile makes me smile more than anything else, dude. And, you know, I started with it. You're an inspiration because of your story. But that when I met you, you were more of an inspiration because of the man you are. The smile, the presence, the aura you bring to the table, dude. Realize what you have and uh, use it. Let your light shine. Be you and do you for you. But let those people benefit from having you in their life. Because right now I'm looking at two fellows who I think are both very gay for you. 
You guys are blessed to have him in your life. Would they you agree with that, They hate me, dude. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. No, they no, hate me, They dude. don't hate you. They hate take care of your crippled ass. <laughs> they love you, the person, They hate man. me, man. Don't talk to them. So we're going to wrap this up here shortly as we do. Anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to say to your friends and family listening and watching? Yeah, just thanks, guys. Um, this was really cool being on this. I've never done anything like this. That's why I suck so much. Um, actually, no, I just suck at everything. But... That's uh, the humble attitude I like, <laughs> man. Yeah. I thrive on self-doubt and being constantly like dissatisfied with everything that I do. Yeah. So whether it's genuine or not, I fucking love it. Yeah, yeah. no, this was probably the worst thing you ever watched. Uh, I'm no, sorry man, that this, you had to spend all no, night watching this. I, I, I really <laughs> hope that you're just talking shit because, man, it's, it's been great having you on. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. By all means, you are not the worst guest. You are not the worst guy who spake. You're not the worst guy spake. Spoke. See, I'm the worst spoke? guy who spake. Spake. Yo. spake. Can't spake. even pronounce words. Yo, I'm, I'm Asian. I can't help it, man. <laughs> My eyes are squinty and words look funny. Um, no, man, you've presented yourself well. You don't, don't, uh, you have definitely been one of the most interesting guests. Back to, again, not your story. Your person, man. You've been great to have on here. So I really appreciate uh, you taking your time coming out here. Mark and Aaron in the background, our beer bitches. Thank you guys. Yeah, for thanks care guys for uh, bringing me here and hanging out while we do this. So uh, till then, Nick is going to hit the music because I told you what to do. And uh, till then, this is my boy Judson. I got Nick Lott, Mr. P behind the camera. I'm DJ. We're Gravity Lab Radios. Blue Skies, we're out. <laughs>